Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse. And tonight, we're going to get cooked, flayed, eaten, beaten by cannibals. How's it going, John? <laughs> it's going well. How are you doing? Pretty good. And I'm actually happy to announce that Persephone is back with us. Hi, everybody. <laughs> they were missing for just a few episodes, but you're back now. I think I think it's because you wanted to talk about cannibalism <laughs> is really what it was. Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen the feet in her freezer. <laughs> You can't tell people about who I kill, okay, and eat. Oh, well, I didn't say who. I just said I saw the feet in the freezer. <laughs> right. No feet. I don't like feet. Uh, so you do like some parts, just not the feet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Note it. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into it, I do want to announce that the podcast is now available on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play Music, as well as being on YouTube, SoundCloud. And am I missing anything? It's on social media sites. Yeah, social media, pretty much the big ones. Woo-hoo! Right. So Woo! easily accessible. You can go and Google or go and search bringing down the grindhouse and be able to find uh, five episodes. And then this will be the sixth that we're bringing on. We're going to talk about two films today, Cannibal Holocaust and The Green Inferno. So what were you guys thinking? Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with... Uh the older let's one do the yeah let's do one. let's do i was thinking uh because i believe one is sort of an offshoot of the others so let's talk about the one that the second is an offshoot of so we'll start then cannibal with, holocaust with cannibal holocaust because the first one made and so prior to watching it or i should ask you guys when was the first time you watched it the first time i ever watched cannibal holocaust was like when i first came out here to college <laughs> like, Which so was... like 2013 <laughs> yeah okay so just just yeah. a few years ago then so that was the first. So Six what did years you ago. feel <laughs> watching that for the first time? No, did anyone prep you for that? No, I just read a bunch on it and then <laughs> watched it. Dang, you researched it before you went and watched it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what about you, Mitch? I heard about this movie from another friend of mine who liked to watch macabre, fucked up things. Okay. And so he'd said like, "Oh, you never seen Campbell Holocaust? The movie's crazy." And I was just like, oh, I, I, "I just never got around to it." And so maybe two months ago, um, Percy, I'm pretty sure is the one that told me about it and reminded me that it exists. And so right. I tracked it down and watched it. Okay. I'm trying to think. The first time I watched it was probably around the same time you watched it, Percy. Um, I forget who. I Oh, you know what? It was off of a conversation that me and Mitch had because this was around the time where you showed me uh, a Serbian film. And then Ooh. we ended Whoa. up we ended up chatting about <laughs> that one, and then yeah, you want to watch another <laughs> fucked up movie? I I will not talk about that movie on here with n- you. No, nope. I'm not nope. going to talk about that movie. Uh, if you would like to go see this movie, listeners, um, go see it, and then you'll know why we don't want to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, that'll be the only mention of it. <laughs> and then uh, Cannibal Holocaust was mentioned as a part of one of those uh, movies that people really thought was like a snuff film like there's some real violence that was going on in those movies so much so that the director of the movie was brought into court mm-hmm. over it to yeah. prove that he did not actually murder the actors in the movie <laughs> so when that film was like created the actors everybody that was in it actually had to sign like a thing that stated that they would not be in any type of like public eye or any type of uh, broadcasting or anything for it for i think six months afterwards so like it looked like Everybody was just dead. So to the public, there. they were gone for the for the entire time that they were shooting. Thing? No, like after the film came oh, out. Oh, even after. Yeah, like they had to sign like paperwork that said they would not appear in anything else for oh like God. six months after the film, like to bring more of the like ambiance to the film of like 
people wasn't like they fucking died. Well, it looks like it fucking worked. <laughs> That's some got really cool like facts right there. I like that a lot. That's really really interesting. What did they end up charging him with? Was it just straight murder or was it yeah. something else? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, probably also abusive animals. Yeah, I would imagine was also in there for sure, definitely because of the two animals that are killed. It's more than two. <laughs> oh, it's more. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. What am I missing? It's like six or something. There's a, what? Oh, the, what? I didn't know it was that many. Whoa, whoa! They killed. They killed the rat. The rat gets they killed gutted. A, there's a rat. There is a like some little small like ocelot looking thing or something. There's a tarantula. Oh. Oh, there's yeah, a the turtle. Monkey. Yeah, they killed a little monkey. Actually, and like the more. <laughs> I, I know. It's it's brutal. I'm sorry, animal. I know. I love monkeys too. Nobody wants to see a monkey getting destroyed. Yeah, it's six. So it's a be, kawati, a turtle, a tarantula, a boa constrictor, a squirrel monkey, and a pig. Damn. Yeah. So they they couldn't include the little bit at the end where they're like, no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. This was before people did that right. for fear of PETA. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, let's see. This movie came out what year? In like the 80s, I think. Uh, 1980. Yeah. So 1980. I feel like this was slightly after some of the other films we've we've mentioned before we're like starting uh, uh, unironically i think we're start we're like slowly moving through the decades without even realizing it uh this one set an interesting precedent for movies later on yeah it was like one of like the earlier films that had a might have been one of the first ones that actually had like found footage like where the, where the plot line follows found footage is you know discovered and we see the events that took place I mean, what these people experience. Italian cannibal films is like its own genre, basically. Like there is more like the man who plays uh the like the main character, Robert Kerman, is in like two other cannibal Italian cannibal films, even though he's an American actor. That's yeah, it's like its whole own genre of films. I know Italian like horror films is its own thing. Um so I guess this must be like a bit of it where they're going through that, but also not nearly as popularized in the United States for other countries. Cinema, you always got to go through like film classes or do your own research usually mm-hmm. to find them, and they're almost always worth it. Uh, the United States is fairly new when it comes to making certain types of films or narratives. I would say that it set a precedent for stuff like the Blair Witch Project to come up, where you're like watching footage of like the events taking place and stuff like that. So it set a precedent for that. Yes, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen the other. Uh, Italian uh, Italian horror movies so I wouldn't be able to tell if they're the same as if they're they're if they're the exact same precedent as what Cannibal Holocaust did um, can you comment on that Percy the next movie that we talk about like is a literal homage to Cannibal oh, yeah, Holocaust absolutely. oh yeah. Like, the Green Inferno. yeah like yeah. that's literally a, it's a direct homage to it <laughs> you know what I was watching I was re-watching because I rewatched both of them within the last few days it was actually two films I could not watch back to back and I think in some way I might have lost my stomach for watching some violent movies. I'm a fucking baby. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it either, man. What? I I had yeah. to do. I had to do those films separate. I had to like have like a day yeah. or so of not watching it because because Green Inferno has has a super gnarly scene in the very beginning that just that just made me really upset. Like the whole time I'm just like, oh god, oh no. And I, it, it's a good it's a good movie for that that it made me feel that way. You know, and you're just like absolute repulsion and like disgust and all of these other feelings because it happens to like the nicest character. The person who deserves it the least is the one that it happens to. And it's like the most graphic like part in Green Inferno anyway. In Cannibal Holocaust, you really are just glad they all die. Kind of. In a way, yeah. I think w- one of the main criticisms I've seen for either film 
is uh, their treatment of the native peoples that are shown in the movies as far as like just showing them to be like savage people. And so that's one of the main things I saw in articles that I was looking through and analysis for the film. Um, I do, I do agree with it that it was kind of like they were using the idea of quote unquote savage people to like push forward this narrative that the area they were going to was dangerous. And it also was kind of relevant to like newer things. Who was the one guy that just got killed? on an island because he was trying to like John Chow, whatever his name was, the yeah. evangel the guy that was like, I'm going to go and go on this mission and evangelize right. these people. Yeah. Which in his case, I don't, I think he was dumb and shouldn't have done that. So like totally deserved. Oh no, he deserved it. He yeah. lied to everybody that he was supposed to be going to. He was like trying to like, I think the first one, he like lied to the people on the boat about where he was going. Yeah. He lied to everybody else that he knew. Like they kept telling him like, we're not going to take you there. And then he like bribed them if I'm right. And like yeah. gave them the money. He totally bribed And someone. then like when he gets to the thing, he starts like singing hymns and he's like, oh, look at me. I'm like singing my fucking hymns. And then he lays down like what coconut fish and like, a stapler or something or some fucking weird item on the ground, <laughs> like giving it to them. And they start throwing spears at him. And then he's like, the natives don't want me here, but God has brought me here. So I'm going to have to go back. And they fucking kill us as they speared that motherfucker. Of course, that's what he deserves. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I these mean, people, dumbass, you get killed. well, these people, especially like native folks that have never had like any type of contact with people like us, you could decimate them because they don't have the same immunities of things that we do. There's right. no vaccines, vaccines there. You know what I mean? Like they don't have that. So you step up there and you have a fucking cold or something. You're going to kill off this fucking tribe that's been there. Like of course, he got exactly what the fuck he deserved. <laughs> well, so as far as I know with tribes and peoples that are still like this and wanting to not be contacted, like it's well known that they don't, they don't want to be contacted. Isn't there uh, kind of protections in place as far as like laws, like some of the other countries around like kind of, they enforce that or they're like, no, they want to be left alone. Don't try to attempt to go into these places. And so it's very much a thing that people acknowledge, but is still getting sort of ignored. It's probably a legitimate fear for some of those, for some of the people who are not part of those societies that yeah. live outside of them. It's probably a legit fear for them. Well, I'm wondering then does sort of the unknown um, peoples and like what's going on there kind of fuel these narratives where they're wanting to like do things like, like cannibal holocaust where they're like oh they're fall cannibals this is what they do on their times why they don't want to be contacted so is it sort of fueling movies like this where they're like wanting to create this sort of i guess fake narrative i know cannibalism does happen in some parts of the world but i don't think nearly on what we've seen on the movies yeah i mean but the movies are even then they're very isolated tribes so if if there were cannibalistic tribes chances are you're probably not running into them because they're probably very tiny Right. You know, I mean, they're probably not, they're probably not huge communities. I wouldn't, I wouldn't gather, but then again, I'm not an expert, so I can't tell you, but I'd be very curious to know, to know why, why there is like an entire like Italian cannibal, like cannibals genre and like where that stems from and whatnot. Um, but I guess a good thing to start off with John would be where does cannibal Holocaust start? Well, so the beginning of it, or at least what's it's described as, um, is in, in 1979, an American film crew disappears in an area of the Amazon rainforest known as the Green Inferno. Uh, while filming a documentary about indigenous cannibal tribes, the team consists of Alan Yates, the director, Faye Daniels, his girlfriend and script girl, and two cameramen, Jack Anders and Mark Tommaso. Harold Monroe, an anthropologist at New York University, agrees to lead a rescue team in hopes of finding the missing filmmakers. And so that's sort of like what sets off what's going on there. So... 
obviously the movie is uh it can be uncomfortable for you to watch because of the violent scenes that are in it but i think honestly what's so funny babies <laughs> i mean it could i mean but it's i'm joking no that. yes there's definitely i mean trigger warning is heavy for that film if you don't like things like that i'm just poking fun at my co-hosts <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's not so much that i mean it's just it's just really grotesque and it's 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 really like realistic and visceral for that movie that movie i i was almost didn't quite know if it was fake or not like while watching, I knew I walked in. I said, "Okay, it's already been proven that all of this is fake." But when I watched it, I was like, "These special effects are really good." So if they're want really good at it. Some like good information on the special effects. Um, so the girl that's actually hung from the spike. Um, if yeah. you're familiar with that scene, she's actually sitting on a bicycle seat. Right. And she's actually holding half of a wooden spike out of her mouth. So that is not so like it's a like a uh, special effect. But she literally had to put like an actual like piece of like spiked wood in her mouth. And hold it for that scene. And she's sitting on a bike seat. So that's why it looks like she's being impaled through it. It's a pretty cool uh, special effect. They had to explain that special effect, actually. Because they thought she was dead. Right. Was yeah, that super, super good. Yeah. <laughs> How did he end up explaining that? Was that a part of like... They, they brought, brought her in. in. <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Did they bring her in for like the court case that was going against yeah. them? And they're like, Ex- please explain like and what like, this is. And they explained that whole thing. That's why she had to like show that she held the spike in her mouth. Well, I know, I know. So I know that a lot of the sort of like uh, special effects were kind of unveiled, un- unveiled that way, where he had to explain it like during the court case that was going on with him. But I know for sure the the killing of all of the animals was definitely part of the censorship for most countries, and I think a lot of countries still maintain the ban on the movie itself. Do you think it's so bad that it should have been banned the way it did? Um, it depends on how you feel about animals getting killed on screen. I mean, when they hack that turtle's head apart, its feet are all wiggling around like super. You don't just make that like make that like that. And then they like rip the shell open and like eat like all the innards and everything all gets cooked up. And it's it's narnar. Like (laughs) it was it was pretty. And if you really like turtles, then but I wonder if I, I don't know how how legit the tour guide was or if they actually ate the turtle and stuff like that. If it was they were really trying to be that realistic about it. it, it it's incredibly convincing, though. A lot of the scenes are very convincing. I mean, uh, the a, a few of the deaths that happen inside of inside the village, um, the way the natives are like just playing with the organs like Play-Doh, like 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 it, it was they're, they're playing with it like kindergarten children finger painting. Like just playing with intestines and things like that over rocks, and it's just, it's just, it's, it's, oh god, it's just it sets. I don't know. It's, it's shocking, really, really shocking and gnarly. Uh, you know what that reminds me of? So there's a class where we're talking about uh, documentaries. So like one of the first documentaries made a long time ago was uh, Nanook of the North, and during one of those scenes, they got a seal. I think it was. They like hunted a seal, brought it out. And they, like, cut it open inside of, like, a children's classroom to, like, show the, the insides and everything. So, but the weirdest part about it that he ended up filming, the seal that they, they cut open, like, in the middle of a children's classroom. And for the most part, they end up eating most of the animal, like, raw. Like, usually the, that's, like, the thing that they were doing in this area because it makes sense for, like, the type of animal. But it's weird to watch because the kids are, like, playing with the blood. Like almost like what you had described where they're like doing little symbols like on the ground and things like that. But we didn't know how to respond to it. And it was interesting to see 
all of the people's reactions in the classroom to like, well, is this normal? Like, should he have included something like this? Or was he trying to show the people who live there as like a certain type of way? It's almost like when they include translations of what people are saying and they're not always right. You know, they end up kind of like faking translations. So I wonder if the native people that they use for this movie kind of knew what was going on or if they just like gave them general direction. Um, in a lot of those scenes, actually, those native folks are acting how they would normally act. So in the scene where the monkey is killed, they killed two monkeys for that scene, actually. They had to redo it. Um, and the natives actually ate the brains of the monkey. Oh, shit. Yeah, because it's a delicacy in their culture. Oh, okay. So, like, I think there's this, like, weird translation of what we might think is, like, weird or, like, childlike, you know, in a sense, where it's like, oh, well, they're playing with these things where in their in their culture, that's normal. <laughs> right. And so, go ahead. When I say childlike, I don't mean that in like a. Uh, I got you. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't mean that in like a in like a in a disrespectful way. I just meant like it was very like 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 almost like childish delight with like this like oh yes, blood and flesh and yes the body cavity and oh I love feeling all the organs in my fingers and this is gonna go in my mouth soon. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so, in what ways then was the Green Inferno sort of? paying homage to this they pretty much did the same narrative right what the fuck do you mean the damn in the cannibal holocaust the fucking place in the amazon is called the green inferno <laughs> like, there is that like, they do well, they, they do an homage to a bunch of things there's like there's like the scene with the tarantula walking on the in green inferno there's a scene with the tarantula walking while the guy's taking a piss and he freaks out because he's like the tarantula almost bit my dick and you know what about that kid it's the same kid from um it's the same actor from Robin Williams, that Robin Williams movie, World's Greatest Dad. Have you guys ever have you guys ever seen that? I've not. What is he's, that? He's it's it's a Robin Williams, it's a great Robin Williams movie. I highly recommend watching it. Um, but the kid, the guy that almost gets his dick di- bitten off by a spider in that movie, um, is the is the shitty is the shitty younger son of Robin Williams, of Robin Williams, and that kid like dies from autoerotic asphyxiation in the movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> And he's the biggest piece of shit. Like he tells his call, tells his dad to go fuck himself. He calls everyone terrible names and is rude to everyone. You're just like this kid sucks. And like the whole movie, the whole premise is the kid dies, and then the dad sort of profits off of his like accidental death by saying it was in a suicide. And he left this really deep note, and then the dad starts publishing his own work in there and saying that it's his son's in order to profit off of it. It gets like it's fucked. <laughs> Why have I never heard of this movie? What is it called again? It's called World's Greatest Dad. i'm gonna go i'm gonna add that to a list of weird movies i need to check out oh it's so good right well like so i put all of my movies in one place and it's it's funny because since we're focusing on all of like the horror theme stuff it's like easily overtaking all of the other movies that i have on there so i'm scrolling through it and i'm realizing i'm like oh wow there's this is really taking up a huge amount of the movies i've been watching almost to the point where i feel like i need to watch Something a little more upbeat every now and again. And I, I love this because Percy is totally rolling their eyes at me. <laughs> Babies. <laughs> well, okay. Do, do you wa- do you watch like terrible things all the time? Yes. <laughs> what have you watched lately? Like what's besides these two? I want to know. I don't want like potential suitors to listen to this and realize how fucked up I am as a person. <laughs> well, that's you already said. Like... <laughs> I, I, what if this attracts uh, certain dudes? Like you might, you no, might I get have a certain. someone in mind already. It's fine. <laughs> um, I, 
I really like really macabre and weird shit. So like Cannibal Holocaust is something that I've watched really recently. Um, fuck, this is gonna make me sound like terrible. Like you ever like not no, at all? I, yes, yes. Come on. But like you, you know, like you, you go on Reddit and you get those like really fucked up subreddits sometimes, like morbid reality and other shit. You know, I like look through those. It, it gives me. So the reason I like really gory and like really intense, like visceral, like death things is because it reminds me that I'm alive in some kind of shitty cliche way. But it's like I don't process death like normal people. So it's like with because of the relationship I have with it, like I just I don't. So I see things like that and I'm like, oh, shit, like it's a fucking thing. <laughs> like this this exists like this happens. So I, I just watch, you know, weird shit. I also like to watch a lot of like cursed videos that you find on like. I'm not like curse videos and stuff. Like I'm not shaming you. This is what's happening. Everybody's shaming me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to it. Well, (laughs) okay. Well, you know what? That's, that's relatable in a different kind of way. So like I enjoy a lot of films that are mainly based on like certain. So like Lord of the Rings is definitely up there. on one of the things I enjoyed the most because it adheres so strongly to that hero's journey narrative where you get to see, like the it's like the one thing that you'll hear about in every film analysis class or anything that has to do with literature where like everything has the hero's journey in it it doesn't like not everything has it but one of the main ones the ones that people enjoy the most are those because you get to see this hero this hero play out a story and then in some way they're usually relatable they're like you end up you want to be that sort of hero person so you find different connections to things. I can understand the appeal of wanting to watch certain things because you have a different connection with either people passing, with death, or with how that might play out on screen, especially in regards to like what kind of death it is, like what's going on there. So it's not weird. I don't think it's weird, but it's why I asked you. It's super weird. I mean, I don't care. Like, I don't sit here and like actively seek this out. Like, it's not something where I'm like, <laughs> I got to get my morning quota of fucking dead people. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's more of just like if I come across it, I'm not the person that will shy away from it. I'll be like, oh, like, let me actually read about this because I just want to know what's going on. I just, I think it's interesting. I think, I think death is super interesting. As far as like, like the way different peoples or different cultures handle it or. Oh we, yeah. Yeah. I did a project on that. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did, huh? <laughs> yeah. What, what did, what was that for? What class was that for? Um, so it was really funny because I was doing this for an ethnic studies course because um, like, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm your normal ethnic studies major. Like I'm not like, oh, I'm trying to help communities. I'm like, let's talk about the ways that different cultures handle death. Um, and in the Philippines, there's actually a certain like, culture in the philippines that like you bury your dead underneath like the floor in your house oh so they stay like like, close by yeah and there's like a reason behind it and everything and i just think it's really interesting i don't know anything about that i love death would you be willing to explain a little bit about that i don't remember enough about it to give you like the best advice i don't want to like put wrong information out there but like they do bury them i think it's like under the kitchen floor because my project was called from underneath the kitchen floor oh wow yeah like and it was just like a homage to that as like as someone who's filipino <laughs> like, right you know but yeah they like bury them there um there's certain ones where i think they bur- i think it might even be by the front door or something because like walking over them is a sign of like a certain like i think it's good luck if i'm right um and like you also like stave off bad things happening and death celebrations like i just i think it's really interesting i think we need a healthier view around death that's fair. So so in some way, the the family members who have died provide protection for the rest of their family. Yeah. Okay. That's, in, that's interesting. I like that connection. 
as far as like still maintaining that connection with your family because being mexican we have the day of the dead where we get to like have that connection with our family members every year um as, like as long as you remember them basically i Re- think we yeah t- i think we talked about this in another podcast right or i um, i may have been the one that mentioned it but i don't remember which culture it is but there's another one where they they keep the mummified remains of their ancestors and like every every season or every you know at a you know at a particular time of the year they bring their they bring the mummified remains out and everyone in the community like touches it and passes it along around and it's like say hello to grandma and grandpa this is you know (laughs) we're hanging out with them now today it's a day to celebrate our ancestors sort of sort of deal which is nice quaint there that makes me think about how the pharaohs used to just kill their servants and like bury them with the pharaoh yeah because like oh, i'm gonna need these people in the afterlife Duh. And, and, would you, <laughs> and of course they would god why would they live lives of their own right right like like, like there's one of like you know like everyone all the egyptians were like well dude he's gonna need his servants when he goes there like, don't you know like right. if i was pharaoh i would totally need like all my servants there and like all my gold <laughs> everything literally everything i think one of the best stories i heard out of one of these like random tomb openings was a pair of British dudes who found like crystallized honey in some random jar and melted it down and then put it in their tea. Like however like this ancient artifact that they had found was like, yeah, let's make some tea out of it. <laughs> and they just did not give a fuck about what they had pulled out of the ground or out of the tomb. So kind of unrelated, but it was still funny to me. It made me think about that. Also it made me think about how there was that whole time period, I think it was like the Victorian era, where they put like cages over certain graves. Because they were afraid of like zombies basically coming out of the ground. There's like little bells too. I've never heard that. It's super cool. They you never seen the, that? They expect the bells to go off when the when, you, well, when the dead rise. The reason why is because for a good amount of time they were accidentally pronouncing people dead when they weren't dead. So there's there was a few people who got buried like that, and uh, they were like, they found or they heard noises or things like that, and so what they started doing was uh, putting like a rope that's connected down into the coffin. And so if you're still alive, you'd ring the bell and somebody would be passing by and know like, oh, shit, we just buried someone alive. But also the other side of that was people's fear of zombies and or vampires coming out of the ground. So they put cages over the grave. So you can like Google that sort of Victorian era, like scare what they were doing. And they (laughs) they were doing stuff like that, which is ridiculous. They were completely afraid. But that this was also when like folklore was definitely like on their list of beliefs. Uh, as far as what they were thinking about, because there's no one else to like confirm or not confirm whether or not these tales were real. And so they were just going off like, yeah, it's probably real. Superstitions were very, very rampant at different times, right? At, like at, at different times. So because there wasn't any, there was no like scientists, like, it, and even then scientists were feared sometimes because they brought too much knowledge for people. You know, <laughs> it was too much. I can't <laughs> handle, I can't handle the facts he's dropping right now. I want to believe in, the magical space rhinoceros. <laughs> that, that sounds like something H.P. Uh, Lovecraft would make. Space A magical space. Only the tentacles. Right. The tentacled rhinoceros yeah, head. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know what a tentacled space rhinoceros would sound like. <laughs> we'll go ahead and save that clip and use it whenever we need to reference this one more time. I'm playing next, my next D&D monster and make for my players is going to be a tentacled space rhinoceros. What is like the weirdest monster you can think of from, from D&D? The weirdest D&D monster yeah. I can think of? Dungeons and Dragons monster? Oh my god, dude. Like, 
I think that the uh, the mind flayers, uh, not mind flayer, the uh, the beholder is pretty cool. That's a classic one. So the beholder is like a um, usually created by wizards All right. and whatnot, and like an offshoot. It's sort of like I want to describe them as like like magical cancer. So like <laughs> magic magic that's just been like tortured and deformed creates this being with a single eye, and it has multiple tentacles, and it's incredibly xenophobic. And it believes that it is it is the epitome of all things that are great and intelligent, and no one can ever outsmart it, and whatnot. And um, it kind of like it dreams. Here's the crazy thing: it dreams. And when beholders dream, depending on how they're feeling, they create things in their dreams. Oh, gee. So while they sleep, they like whatever it is. It usually takes on like a beholderish form. Maybe it's like a sub beholder or something else, like an object that's very beholdery. And uh, yeah, they're very, very interesting creatures. It's pretty; it, they're pretty fucking strange, to be so, honest. So, like, if you want a better way to think of that, think of like you know how Mike Wazowski always gets like cut out of ads and shit. Yeah. Imagine he got like really pissed and decided to go talk to a wizard, and it like <laughs> fucked up his form. And now every time he fucking sleeps, like shit comes out of it. Like Mike Wazowski <laughs> is just like a beholder, and it's like nice form. <laughs> Oh I'm kidding, gosh. but like you know, like the one eye fucking yeah, thing. Like right. if you just like fucked up Mike Wazowski's yeah. face enough, you'd have and him beholder. Put, you have to put a bunch of eye stalks on his yeah. head and take off his <laughs> yeah. arms and legs, and then all the eye stalks fire beams out of them that are meant to disintegrate you or kill you or de. They also have a um. They also their front eye also has an anti magic field, which just if you're standing in it, everything that's magical doesn't even function anymore so if you have the really cool flaming sword that becomes a normal sword now oh, inside of its gaze it's just yeah it's a crazy crazy monster have you ever used this against like players? i have okay so if i really i'm gonna nerd out now yeah so in my personal campaign i have a beholder i have one beholder that the uh party has not uh fought yet okay they haven't gone to fight him even though he's causing a lot of problems right now they worked alongside him because he was a decent ally ish and they weren't really powerful enough to go take him on if they wanted to um my beholder has an obsession with singing and being a musician <laughs> that's his entire like his whole deal is like he just is a failed is a failed artist and right. that's it and so he just like roams around his little thing trying to create the most masterpiece like the greatest masterpiece ever and perform it <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and he will be the best right and everyone else around him is within any amount of miles as a threat <laughs> so they will be destroyed for he must make the best music ever Oh, this is great. This is such a great uh, tangent that we went on into Dungeons and Dragons. It's, I mean, I mean, yeah, definitely. I love, I love D and D. We were gonna get here at some point because we've all played. Yep, all of us, all of us are. Yep. Actually, now it makes me think, uh, Percy. What was the last character you played in Dungeons and Dragons? I played a lot of Pathfinder, actually. Oh, excuse me. Uh, no, oh, no, shit. No, my last game was actually Pathfinder. Right. But um, I played I like, no, a... this Dungeons and Dragons bullshit. We're <laughs> no, playing Pathfinder like... version number five. <laughs> so I like Dungeons and Dragons. Just the person I was seeing at the time was really into Pathfinder and didn't right. do a lot of D&D, so we just played Pathfinder. But um, I actually played a character. Her name was Pockets. She was... Pockets? Yeah. Her, well, her real name was actually Penelope, but okay. she went by Pockets. Um, and Pockets was a half-elf bard alchemist multi-class um so basically she so her first like first level yeah, she was no, a bard then we added on levels of alchemist um she came from a family where her father was an alchemist and her mother was a bard um and both her parents wanted her you know go there like one way or something and she decided no she was going to do both so her her motto was i sing songs and i throw bombs so bombs and songs was like <laughs> she had a jacket basically on the back that said bombs and songs oh like the God. dm ended up allowing me to like make one and i was like yes like this is gonna be awesome um, but yeah, so she was 
kind of sh- on the shorter spectrum of like uh elves okay. but she was like super spunky she had like short red hair she always had in pigtails and like she had an australian accent because <laughs> like i couldn't i can't fucking do english one so it just devolved to this shitty australian accent and yeah Wait, she- so were you doing an australian accent while you're playing yeah no, I'm not going to do it for you right now. No, no, I'm, oh. <laughs> no, because anytime you ask somebody to do an accent, they pause and then it's awkward. Uh, no, I so, just, I can't. It just, it devolves. I'm just trying shitty. to imagine <laughs> this character that's speaking in an Australian accent in the middle of like a fantasy world. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> like it was all, she was great. Um, She was just, uh, she was chaotic good or sorry, she's chaotic neutral. Okay. Um, Because all of my characters are chaotic neutral just because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> um, I feel like I do the same thing sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I'm chaotic neutral. <laughs> really? Is that where you put yourself? Oh, my alignment is like hardcore, like chaotic neutral, like true neutral. Like, I feel like that's exactly where I'm at. Like, where are you I at, Mitch? I'm pretty sure I'm on the chaotic good route, man. Okay. There's like times when I would, I will probably go against the law in order to do what I believe is right. Right. <laughs> And then there's that that sort of idea. Um, well, actually, what I ended up thinking about was, uh, so I immediately thought of Eli Roth. And I wanted to, I'm like, he, to me, every time I've seen him, he seems like a creepy dude. He's really attractive. He's oddly attractive. I'll admit oh, no, that. No, not oddly. He is Well, to attractive. me personally. <laughs> like, You're like, no, he no. He is attractive. <laughs> well, okay. So what else has he been in, right? Like, he's been in a few movies. Like, even before we saw him do the directing thing. He was right? the bear Jew in, uh, yeah. in, in Glorious Bastards. Bastards. <laughs> right yeah so so you got to see him do you know what that we mentioned did we we mentioned in glorious bashes when we were talking about feast oh because of when oh this guy okay see i didn't know who eli roth was <laughs> Mitch so i was just looking up, up i just looked him up and i was like oh that guy okay i understood yeah, he did cabin fever and hostel yes oh right oh he made the movies yeah oh. or, or directed them directed and like them. helped wrote, write wrote some of them maybe. yeah um he has an interesting looking face is why i mentioned him but uh more importantly i want to know what kind of alignment would he land in for chaotic evil chaotic neutral or true neutral like no he cannot be on any of the good or like none of the good no if he's good he would have to i feel like eli roth is hardcore chaotic good if he has to be on a good alignment but i think he's like in the chaotic like no fuck have you seen hostile yeah (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) fucking that girl at the end like the japanese girl that gets like super fucking depressed about how she got like fucked up through the thing so she jumps in front of a fucking train chaotic like, like eli roth is a hundred percent chaotic what do you think mitch based upon the films you guys are naming like hostile i've seen i've seen hostile before what was the other one there was another one of his that i'd seen oh no it was uh, him as the bear jew yeah that's pretty that's pretty fucking chaotic good also he's also a so. rando in uh death proof mm-hmm. yeah He's a rando and death proof. Yeah. Die or something. No, like he's just there for a little bit of the story and then you never see him again. But I think it's just because Tarantino likes to use him and stuff. So he was like, yeah, I'll bring you on for death proof. And he's like one of the dudes trying to, uh, to get with one of the girls in the movie. Um, but like, it obviously doesn't work out for him. Oh yeah, of course not. (laughs) Why, why would it? (laughs) They go on their own adventure, so it's okay. Um, I, I just keep thinking of his face in Inglorious Bastards and he's like about to beat the shit out of the Nazi <laughs> with a baseball bat. And he gets this whole intro. They like spend like four or five minutes on who the bear Jew is and how Hitler himself knows about him and is like, do you really think he's a golem? Like all of the Nazis are talking about <laughs> this golem that's been killing all of our men. And then he comes out 
and they're all excited and he just fucking beats the shit out of this Nazi uh, who doesn't want to like give up information on where the rest of the Nazis are. And they're all stoked about it. They're like, this is about as close as we get to going to the movies and watching Nazis get beat up with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's immediately what I thought of because he looks like he's about to cry when he like brings the bat to his head and he's just staring at him and he looks like he has tears in his eyes. It's the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. I, you know what else was pretty funny that I thought that I thought was pretty funny, but also kind of that's still on Nazis dying. I wouldn't necessarily call morbid, but someone getting beat over the head with a bat is I would consider somewhat morbid. Um, so, but something else I would like to mention is one of the dumbest deaths in the Green Inferno. Okay. Also, I'd like to just take a tally of the deaths if you guys can remember them at all. So most yeah. of like all right, a good group of the uh, college students that go there. The interesting thing about the Green Inferno that I liked a lot, bringing us off this tangent, right? Thank a you. Bit, is um, <laughs> what I liked about it was that it was sort of a satire on social justice. That okay. was one of the big things because what happens is the guy that they all rally behind that gets them to go over to uh, the Amazon, the Green Inferno, right. and go investigate it is uh, working with another man who pays for. I believe it's a. a is it Brazil the Amazon's in? I'm so bad with geography. Like, I always forget. So he's yeah, a guy from that area. South America. He, and you learn that, learn later on in the movie, spoilers, learn later on in the movie that he was working for a rival um, logging company. Yes. And so the only reason why the activists were sent over there was to distract the current logging company and get them to leave without – so that his logging company could come in and take care of the business. So they were all set up there for no reason. Uh, when their plane crashes – a whole bunch of them die in that particular instance. They're thrown out of the plane all over the yes. place. One girl like is struggling with her, with her seat inside of the tree and just like falls out off camera, like almost hilariously kind of like, is this like <laughs> and you're just like, well, there, there goes that one. One of the guys, he's just this big, tall blonde dude. And he just is bending over to pick up something. And the still spinning propeller of the plane just yes. nicks him in the skull and he dies. I busted up laughing. I laughed so hard, and that was the only death that made me laugh was that one <laughs> because that dude just like, how do you? Oops, you right. know, just <laughs> why? Oh my god! It's that, like he showed up. It's like the director had an issue with him, maybe off camera. Was like, that's it, man. You're fucking out of this movie. I'm so right. sick of you. You just die this way. Rewriting it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So it seemed kind of personal then. Yeah, almost just a little bit. A little bit. You know what that reminds me of too? Do you remember? I think it's. I think it's the third Jurassic Park movie. There's a plane crash and a bunch of people die in that plane crash for some reason. And then someone falls out of their seat the same way you just described. And it's way too funny. They need to stop doing scenes like that. Yeah. Scenes with like the, the the (laughs) climactic seat in the tree and falling out and dying thing is not interesting. Well, I think they think it's like suspenseful Yeah, and like, you're like, Oh no, what's going to happen to this person? But it ends up being funny because they just fall and splat. So it's like, it's not, it's not a good way to go about making those scenes. I almost feel like a lot of the things in, in green Inferno felt kind of like, just felt satirized too. Like a lot of like, it almost felt kind of funny sometimes, except for like the part where I'm trying, is his name, is his name Eli? Is that the name of the, is that the name of the nicest, the nicest guy in the movie? Like the nicest person in the movie? Uh, I'd have to double check. Um, other than, other than our, our, you know, no protagonist becomes an asshole later. Sorry. Nope. She becomes a total asshole later. Oh, the, not, the main dude, the main, the main, the main, the main um, woman. Oh, that's right. Justine. Justine. Thank you. But, you're you're right though as far as like i felt like a lot of it was satire yeah uh, it felt and, like yeah. really kind of funny something like the whole like spider almost bit my dick thing and then there's like the 
she gets saved by the whistle. How so? She uses the little whistle with the little the little native boy. Oh, and oh. that's how she gets. That's how she gets out because that kid is like, "You're cool because you whistled at me." <laughs> and like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What, like, he's just like, "Hi, you're being fun. I guess you can live, and we won't eat you." I don't know how that was like playing out. Now that I think about it. I think the weirdest thing that I well besides people getting eaten, <laughs> the weirdest thing watching the movie was uh, the one girl who decided to just commit suicide in the cage. That was because they were eating her friend. Yeah, but it was like, I don't know. Maybe it was just me personally. I was like, this is so random. Like, why did you? She was sad. She was mourning. I mean, yes, it's true that she's mourning. I still think that it was kind of weird. It's kind. Of, it felt a little out of. It felt like an out of place death for her. Almost. Oh man, you know what? Random thought just popped but, in my head. The um, the fucking kid from Spy Kids is in this. What? Who? The fucking Junie, the little little fucking, the younger brother. That's him. Is that him? Yeah, fucking look what? That shit what? Up. He's he's the little shit from 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 Spy Kids. World and World's Greatest Dad. Uh, possibly. You should you should look that up. I, I have to what know now. I do. I really have to know. Uh, I'm not sure exactly of his name, but I know for a fact that's him because he looks the fucking same as when he was a little kid. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, that's him. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, Daryl Christopher Sabara is the name of the actor. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. He was totally in that. So he's in all those movies now. Well, see, he has a weird running theme of just being in like really random movies, including like uh, extra violent ones. And so, but it's also like, so Spy Kids has a weird connection to a lot of things because of the director, because Robert Rodriguez. So it's like fucking uh, Danny Threll is in that. The dude who played Machete shows up as their uncle. And so in some so in some way these movies are sort of connected. So Spy Kids is like in the world of Robert Rodriguez's films because of that. That's so cool. So that's that's oh man. Right. Oh man, I'm like I'm like exploding. I didn't even know all of this. This is all new information to me. Wow. Super stoked. He definitely did it on purpose where he's like, Well, I think he always wanted to make a story like that and then later on got into making the sort of like grindhouse movies that he was making, but still the same universe. It's kinda like what tarantino does where like he uses the same props and like cigarettes and shit for all his movies so they're all technically in the same universe which is so they end up creating their own sort of like mythos i guess where like these all these characters exist in that was his argument for using like the same actors and actresses like they're all the same people in the same universe so it was a weird explanation i saw a weird interview with him once i think he's much weirder than most people have been led to believe tarantino tarantino likes feet feet all the feet shots. All the feet shots in those movies. Lots of lots of feet shots. There's like a 30-minute video of all the shots he's done. <laughs> of I want to go on fucking record, though, that I think Quentin Tarantino in uh, From Dust Till Dawn was really cute. Well, <laughs> even though, but it's fucked up because he was like that super creepy. Like, that was one of was he's like say. hitting on the fucking, like, the girl. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, like, he's hitting on the daughter, like, the whole man, time. Man, like, why you gotta be a fucking creep? But, a little like, crazy kind of guy I go for is weird looking white dude sometimes you know what i mean yeah but you also think a young steve buscemi was also attractive because young steve buscemi was fucking don't give no he's the ugliest dude alive i'm so he's, sorry i know my mom has a dog that looks just like steve buscemi now a dog <laughs> a dog just so everyone's clear a dog okay but like there's pictures of like young steve buscemi and then there's pictures of young angelina jolie and they look very similar like their eyes wait you say angelina that. jolie is that what you just said yeah isn't that her name yeah, I'm just, I'm yeah. just a weird comparison. What's it called? No, there's like pictures of like the fucking 
both of them like put side to side like as kids yeah or when they're younger and they have like the same fucked up eye thing going on and shit like you guys want to know something really weird which is related have you ever seen a young joseph stalin no go ahead and google young joseph stalin and tell me what you think Hold about on. him i'm doing it's this gonna Steve weird Buscemi you thing so you can fucking see it oh you're bringing up steve buscemi is what you're doing yeah for any for anyone who's gonna be listening what the fuck oh my god Are that's those- angelina jolie next to him yeah well obviously yeah Yeah. okay okay they look they looked very similar at one point they both have a weird ass face too so <laughs> it's like it doesn't surprise me but are you are you googling it mitch who'd you say fucking stalin joseph stalin, stalin. Sorry, i didn't you know a russian dictator yeah that's the picture look at that picture Show Percy that picture. I know, I'm looking at it right now. Looks like he he goes to school around here. Right. (laughs) He looks like a fucking San Diego native who goes to state, like, definitely like one of those fucking hipsters. It's really weird. And I only discovered that because of a similar conversation with someone else where they're like, have you seen younger versions of these people? And it ended up being like, oh, yeah, have you ever seen, like, a young fucking Joseph Stalin? I was like, no, why the fuck would I ever look that up? (laughs) Like, I'm just looking up dictators when they were younger. Like, no big deal. (laughs) You know? I'm like, what is what I do in my spare time. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like Some of it's it's really interesting to watch sometimes, though, because you hear, like, especially if you're paying attention to the language that's used sometimes. Right. Do you guys know about what uh, Eli Roth said to in response to the criticism that he received for the movie? He has a really interesting quote that he kind of brought up. And so I'll go ahead and, and read what he said. So basically they were uh, saying that he was basically displaying the native peoples in the movie sort of in the wrong way. And so what he said was the idea that a fictional movie about a fictional tribe could somehow hurt indigenous people when gas companies are tearing these villages apart on a daily basis is simply absurd. These companies don't need an excuse. They have one, the natural resources in the ground. They can window dress things however they like but nobody will destroy a village because they didn't like a character in a movie they'll do it because they want to get rich by draining what's under the village the fear that somehow a movie would give them ammunition to destroy a tribe all sounds like misdirected anger and frustration that the corporations are the ones controlling the fates of these uncontacted tribes so he sort of redirected the criticism on him and was like what these big companies are the ones that are really hurting these people i think that's what his movie is trying to say also is that behind them there's like the like the tree logging companies there's two of them that are fighting and that's the reason why the students are even in it in the first place is because they're both competing over land and they're just using the natives they've in the movie it's stated that they already use the dangerous natives as an excuse for them going there right they already use it um the uh the activists however are under the assumption that these people aren't actually dangerous etc etc they are totally fine and totally safe and everything else and they're really not that bad this is just we should just stop this to save the native people and so under that entire guise they go and they're basically lied to they are lied to about everything and the craziest bit is at the end of the movie where the justine the main character gets to or basically flips it around and makes herself seem like the hero by describing the natives as peaceful and keeping the narrative going well in addition to her doing that doesn't one of them survive one of the dudes survive and like stay there alejandro i think is his name yeah um that's the ending like the mid-credit scene where uh his sister messages justine and then says, oh, hey, there's a satellite image. And then you see him and he's covered in like the tribal paint, like to assume that he's like now, I guess, like the leader of the tribe or something. Well, yeah. he's in all black. So I can only assume that he becomes sort of like the executioner, kind of how the other guy was. Uh, so like uh, 
the really nice dude who gets pretty much like dismembered where he gets all of his limbs cut off the guy was uh painted all black and so i was guessing that he took over his role and was like now like the the executioner for the tribe and sort of taken up that spot but i was sort of confused as to like was this purely for his own survival or was he just like a sick fuck and like wanted to get into being able to murder people like that he in the movie multiple times is willing to screw other people over for himself right and he basically does that with the entire group that's fair yeah so i mean yes absolutely i guarantee you it's just for his own survival he's saving his own teeth oh yeah he ga- probably gains their respect because, you know, they, they lose um, – because at the end, there's a group – the other logging company comes in with their riflemen and everything and, you know, is going to push the narrative, the natives attacked us, so blah, blah, we shot them. Um, instead, they're just marching in there to kill all of them so that they can log in peace. Um, oh, so they can log in peace. Yeah. <laughs> so they can destroy a village in peace. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, can, they can log in pe- – they can, yeah, do their thing in peace. Um, and so it's, it's very uh, – so it's very, it's uh, maybe it says like be careful of the causes that you serve, like you know, be you know, be mindful of things like that, and that's maybe some of the fear that's displayed in this movie is the fear that the causes we follow are not always going to serve us the best in the end, and it's like to cons- like to consider that. I think that's part of what the movie is trying to say. Yeah, this seems also like a movie that the critics did not like very much. It like has like a thirty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and then like really low score on metacritic and all the other ones do you guys think it's deserving of that of such a low score it's got a lot of awkward choices for things and stuff in it too i think and some of the acting's not the best i would say so it's like 50 50 like i think i get it but i'm not sure it, i was i was kind of like eh about the movie myself i liked cannibal holocaust more to be honest i think i do too actually just because of the way that they the the lengths they went to make it realistic so that when you watch it you get that sort of experience watching it i think the special effects for that one also were one of the ones that did me because i was very much like wow they are just legitimately murdering these people as that is i was i whereas in in uh in um green inferno in the green inferno thank you (laughs) in green inferno the it's just like the it's just so like over the top but you can tell that it's not like you know, I can tell that that's a fake torso going in there. You know what I mean? I can tell that is fake. I can tell that is fake. You know, that sort of that sort of deal. Whereas I didn't get that feeling. And they, the way they filmed it and did everything, it was very, like, sloppy and muddy and grimy. And that's what made it feel so real. It's like, I'm actually watching people, like, you know, go and investigate these people. It was a clever way for them to hide some of the editing and to make it a little more realistic by having this filter over pretty much everything. So you think that was more of like budget or they just knew what they were doing and they were like, we're going to purposely film this way so that it becomes more realistic. That guy knew what he was doing. I mean, it might have just been a budget thing, too, but I feel like he knew what he was doing. Um, let me see, actually. So, well, so for the Green Inferno. Wait, are we talking about Cannibal No, no, Holocaust? I just want to. We are talking about oh, Cannibal okay. Holocaust. <laughs> I just want to mention um, the budgets. So, like, uh, we know from the last episode that Feast lost a whole bunch of moon like they had like a three million dollar budget and only made like six hundred and fifty six thousand so like they lost like a couple million on it uh the green inferno is interesting because it got shitty reviews it had a budget of five million and the box office it made 12.9 million whoa so like nearly doubled its budget as far as like people going to watch it and being excited about watching it and so you had like a huge difference on that so they made their money back even though people kind of didn't really like the movie 
And then with uh, with Cannibal Holocaust, check this out. They had a budget of a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars to make this movie. Their box office earnings was two million in, the, in the United States. Holy and shit! That's, that's and that's like before inflation and everything yes. too. So that's like way. That's more. in 1980. Yeah, is that they made that much money? So by today's standards, they probably would have continued making more of these movies. If it, like a, one of the companies now had gotten their hands on it, they'd be like, "We're gonna make a Cannibal Holocaust two, three, four, five because this made so much money." But it was because I think it was also because of all the controversy that surrounded it, where it was like people thought it was real, so they were like, "I got to see this and see if it's like for themselves to see if it's legitimate." And so it ended up adding to sort of like the effect surrounding the movie, which I don't think I've really seen since then. Like I don't think there's really been a horror film that like try to make it as realistic as possible or they did too much CGI and we know it's fake. Yeah. I have not seen too many, too many movies that tried to do like that really pulled off that like gritty, that like really gritty, like feeling, I guess, you know what I mean? Like I could like the film looks messy, probably also because of it's like eighties production and whatnot. Right. So it looks messy, but it's also like the choices they used. Like the, I want to say like the shots are also very, like they, they did a lot of, it was a very lot. It was like a, combination of skilled camera work some good special effects and like you know that sort of deal as well as their low production cost as we can see probably also played into that as well and that made it a little bit more believable i guess to me in a way Um, it forces you to be creative in different ways and so in their case they were trying to find alternatives to like how they could make something seem realistic and it worked out for them because they obviously made a lot of money back on this movie which is really like I feel like I haven't heard the director's name besides, um, well, besides this movie. What else has he done? I'm not aware of anything else that he's he made. He did a bunch of other cannibal films. <laughs> oh, he just kept doing it? He just kept going with the cannibal movies? Give me a second. <laughs> His name is uh, Ruggiero Diodato. Okay. Yeah, he, in France, he gets the nickname of Monsieur, Monsieur how do you pronounce that? Cannibal. <laughs> like, oh my god yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> how did he gain that that sort of title that moniker when you, when you make those when you make a cannibal movie that makes you not, like what was it 1.9 million dollars you get a nickname <laughs> <laughs> right what that's kind of cool actually to, I, I want it like a nickname sort of bestowed on me for making certain kind of films that'd be cool what do you think your nickname would be mitch I always fantasize about being called Grim Squid for some reason, but it's always but it always sounded really dorky to me. So I'm just like, I'll let other people give me <laughs> nicknames. That's better. Why does this sound like a 40k knockoff reference? I don't know, man. I like I like Lovecraftian things. You're thinking of Grim Dank or Grim Dark? Grim, grim like the Grim, grim Dawn. Dark. Grim yeah, Dawn. like the Grim Dark of War is coming. Grim, the Grim, the grim oh, Dark, the Grim Squid, <laughs> <laughs> and or Squid Billies. Really, yeah, that show I, I guess, so I guess, good. <laughs> There's one line from that show that always I always remember, and it's the dad, the squid dad, whatever his name is, and he's like looking for some other person. He looks over and the person's dead, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I forgot. We don't kill that son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> that whole show is ridiculous. It was all on Adult Swim, and I fucking loved watching that. In addition to all the weird shows that they brought on, I really want them to bring back the Mighty Boosh. I need them to bring back Lucy, daughter of the devil. Also, that dude. That's a they didn't play that for very long. With DJ Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Wait, what was um Mr. Pickle was the other oh, one? Oh, that's a good one. Um uh, Moral Oral, if they give me more of Moral Oral because like growing up in a Christian household, like it's that show up. was like I yeah. was like oh shit. Like Right. Um The Oblongs was really good. Yep. 
there's another show. Moral Oral. That was with the little boy and little his Christian dad, boy, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember all these shows. It's been so long since I like actually watched them. Like I have not watched Adult Swim in so long. <gasps> Adult Swim went through this weird time period where they were just showing you really fucked up things. Yep. They have a short. I think it's like a short, and it's called Perfect Hair Forever, and it was like super like a lot of people didn't watch it but it was about this like little like like samurai boy or something that was like trying to get his hair fixed and like he had to go talk to a tree i think to get it like fixed or something but it was super weird because like his sensei was this like super pervy old man they had like the stereotypical like hot japanese girl in it and everything it was okay it's a really good short it was terrible but it was like super (laughs) fucking funny (laughs) there's a really good anime short that came out not too long ago that's like basically this guy sitting in his room all by himself and it was at one of the anime cons and it's like this guy just like wasting away in his room but it's the most like colorful like <laughs> colorful and immersive like art piece i've ever seen and he just like runs into like the anime screen and starts becoming those characters and then oh, it starts showing him how like all of his life of him like obsessing over video games has just led him to nothing and it's just like it's it's very very. I, I'll remember what it's called later, and then I'll tell you. There's actually a creepy pasta based off of a uh, Adult Swim short. It's the the Dawn is Your Enemy one I that will that come one. on at like like some like stupid ass time in the morning. That it's freaks, the end of it. It's yeah, the last bump. Yeah, like that freaks me out. I do not yeah. like thinking about that short because like <laughs> I always like remember because it would be it would come on at like what like three in the morning no, like three thirty four was, or somewhere um, around there because so that's it's over, around the time. It's over officially at like four thirty or five in the morning. And then they would play this final bump, which is uh, the sun coming over the yeah, edge of the hill. Yeah, with the eyes on it. Yeah, it has oh, specific like eyes, it and it says the dawn is your enemy in the sky. And then they changed it. Originally, so the one that the story is based off of, originally the background noise was just unexplainable noise, which yeah. included screams, weird machinery parts. It sounded like people getting tortured at some point. Mm-hmm. And so someone's like, I want to write a creepypasta based yep. off this. And they did that. And so you Ooh. read the creepypasta, and then you go and rewatch it, and it freaks you out when you watch yeah. it. <laughs> I cannot look at it since like reading the creepy pasta about it. It so much popularity that they had to change it. That's why you'll watch it now and it doesn't have that noise effect anymore. I don't even think they use that as a short anymore. Uh, n- I have not seen maybe. it as a short in I haven't years. Watched, I haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, no, I think it's just, it's gone. Yeah, they took it but away. But like, it makes so much, like it was, oh my God. Like I used to, I already was like super unsettled by it. Like right. just watching it originally, then reading the creepy pasta and watching it. And I was like, all right, never again. Like I would, I would know too when it's going to come on. I'm like, oh, it's that time of the fucking night. I got to change my channel. Like, and I'm like, oh, that is a creepy ass pasta. I woke up to that to that bump playing and that was pretty that's horrifying that was pretty scary especially when you're coming out of like the sleep haze you're still trying to like all right my reality is this trying to figure out but all of a sudden you wake up and like in your reality is that noise and you're just like okay i'm gonna die now well (laughs) what was interesting about the way that they set up the cartoons for that was so you would get this bump and then it would go straight into early morning cartoons so you would get um like astro boy that showed up like right back to back to it. So it would go from this really creepy thing to like the most wholesome cartoon you'd seen in a long time. And then um, they they would do like Astro Boy and then a few, oh, I can't remember what the other cartoon was that they played, but I used to watch it in the morning because I used to get up super early. For Big it. O. Yeah, that's it. They used to play Big O uh, really early in the morning and I would watch it all while eating breakfast before I went to high school or no, middle school is where I was mostly watching it. And then, as I went into high school, I would stay up late on the weekends because of Toonami. And you remember when they brought that back? Ooh, Toonami was the best, and I am so sad that they, like when they when they let it go and then they brought it back. Is it still a thing now? Because yeah. I feel like it's still a thing, but it's well, like to me, it's not the same as it was like when it started. Like Toonami was 
fucking sick. <laughs> what they did was uh, it lost a lot of popularity originally, and so they took it out of their lineup. And then as an April Fool's joke one year, they brought back Tsunami with no announcements. So if you were up during that time, which I was, uh, it just started playing. So you're sitting there, you're watching, and you're like, oh, whatever, they're going to play another cartoon. And then the intro music and Tom shows up to like introduce Tsunami again, and you're like, this can't be real. Like, And then they just went through their original lineup. They played like all the animes they used to play. And the very next day, there was articles about it everywhere because they were like, people were stoked on it. It got so much viewership that they brought back Toonami and it's been a thing ever since because people missed it. They wanted to watch this every Saturday night. That was like a lot of people's introductions into random anime that they would watch, or at least the most popular ones where you'd end up watching like like the Ghost and Shell and like Inuyasha and Gundam shit like that. Gundam Wing was on there too. Gundam Wing was on it. Um, Did y'all hear their... Wait, hold on. They're making a live action of, I think... It's Gundam. Give me a second. I can't remember. Is it Cowboy Bebop? No, no. Oh, okay. Oh, they are God. doing it. They are doing a live action of that. I'm not mistaken. Last time I heard. But um, they're doing. A, hold on. I'll tell you right now. But they're doing a. I think it's Gundam. But the person. Oh my God, yeah. So they're doing a live action Gundam, and the person who is writing it is a uh, Brian K. Vaughn, who created Saga. Yeah. So I'm actually, if he does well on this, I'm actually super excited because Saga is a damn good comic. So I wonder if he was like in the boardroom with somebody and convinced them to let him do it because he's he's been good at sci-fi fantasy writing. So that's that sounds like a good fit, actually. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out to be really good. I am so excited for that. <laughs> which uh, which arc are they going to focus I'm on for sure. the Gundam? Because I know there was like the super original and then there was much, there was like four or five different ones after that where they're like much younger uh but i wonder if they'll go back to the original that'd be really cool to see something like that did you guys ever see speed racer the like the actual like film like live oh, action the, the live action film yes i did i what did you think about it no no i did not enjoy that movie why did you not enjoy it? i didn't like i don't think i liked the animation i didn't really like it didn't make me feel like i was watching the show either it didn't feel like the show to me. No, they definitely didn't. And I wanted yeah. them i wanted them to do sort of a little tiny homage to that a little bit I but i feel it like didn't, they did but it just wasn't enough for me, man. Oh, not okay. enough for me to be entertained. I guess maybe maybe I'm not a big enough Speed Racer fan to really enjoy it. Maybe that's what it is. I fucking love that movie. Awesome. Yeah, it's weird. What do you like about that movie? Uh, Why did you like it so much? Well, so so yeah, I, I used to watch a lot of Speed Racer mm-hmm. uh, cartoons, and it reminded me a lot of it because of the like they had shitty acting. But I, I feel like it was almost on purpose where they were like acting a certain way. And then to have people like John Goodman be in it as the dad, seemed really fitting for like whoever the like main character was or at least his dad and then uh for some reason speed racer fit really well like that character or the guy that they chose for it and sort of how that all plays out and then they changed they did change a few things but the the racing itself and all of the action was Mm -hmm. completely absurd like the the cars are doing like multiple flips and like hitting each other so like it broke so many different like conventions of what you were expecting for it so like they try to bring it into this real life world, but it was still like it was still the anime world to them because like everything was in focus. Like there was never anything that was sort of like out of focus on screen. And they end up just doing all of these crazy action scenes and the way it played out. You know what it reminded me of? Um, have you seen an anime called Redline? No, I have not. If you like racing movies, I guess, or anything to do with like car racing, you'll enjoy Redline because the whole movie is just about them doing this illegal race on some random like robot planet and like that's it that the whole movie is about how they enter the race 
how they like build their cars and then just the entire race for the rest of the oh, movie. Oh, it's an anime movie? Yeah, it's an anime movie. Oh, you know what? Another anime movie I saw not too long ago that was really good that was like almost like Studio Ghibli like quality. Which one? Uh was um was The Summer Wars. I actually it don't know that really, one. Really, really good. I, I, if you can find it, I highly recommend watching it. It's like about um how your Facebook tries to murder you. What? And oh, so it's shit. like it's basically like everybody. They basically have this uh, this networking um, software they create. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, like corporations are hooked into it. People manage their money through it. The military uses it. The government, like everyone uses it. So every, all of these people are locked into this little virtual world that they have all of their personal information and everything in. Um, and so somebody develops a virus that takes control of that area. Oh, shit. And then like essentially it gets it gets nuts, dude. The grandma in that in that is one of the most badass characters. <laughs> she is so fucking awesome. She like uh in the in the movie, she ends up like uh, she knows like she gets like some sort of clue that she's going to be offed. And she wants to help her help her um family out because they're like in the middle of this horrible crisis that's going on because they're like, "Oh, the satellite that's floating above you is going to fall on your house." Because the uh, the virus, you're trying to fight this virus, and the virus wants to murder all of you. So it's going to drop a satellite on your house, sort of sort of stuff like that. And so she like calls up a whole bunch of like military friends of hers oh, from like shit. back in the day, and has like military like level like servers brought in so that they oh, can like what? battle the thing, and like the whole family gets in on it. And it's it's hilariously awesome. It's such a good movie. And, like, you'll just feel, like, warmth and, like, joy and you'll feel, like, fear <laughs> and you'll feel, like, triumph. And it's, like, all the things you want out of anime and then all the things you love about, like, Ghibli-type stuff. Yeah. Like that. Like, like all of that type stuff. Just really good movie. Highly I'm going to check that out. You got to remind me of it before yeah, you leave today. The Summer Wars. It's, it's the shit. <laughs> you... you... Percy is nodding their head very eagerly. Sounds like I, I looked it up. So I was like, and oh, look You're like, I got to watch it now. Yeah. I've been... <laughs> I think the last like anime like movie or whatever that I watched was uh, Gantz. Oh, it's oh. on Netflix. What? Is that good? Yeah. That movie was really good. Oh, okay. It was a lot better than I expected to be. Right. I was like, shit. Cool. Yeah, like that whole universe and like the concept of Gantz is a chill ass fuck. Like that's some shit you should look into. It's really good. I'll like it's it completely different than fucking Summer Wars. That is yeah, not it's cute totally, it's totally, in any fucking kind of sense. Uh, <laughs> Gantz is like these these people that die. That die in the real world, and then like right before they die, they're chosen by this like this like com- like cyborg being. It's like a big ass black orb, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big orb, but it's got a dude. There's a dude in it. Oh there's shit! So I've seen I've seen oh, I, I, I I own this whole anime on on like DVD, <laughs> so I've watched it too many times. Um, but Gantz is like is this like this like got like cyborg being that like selects these people. They're usually not very good people either. They're usually they have something like they're probably kind of a little fucked up in some way. Um, and they die in some way, and then they are like materialized in this room, and then told, "Okay, you want your life back? Go hunt these aliens." Oh shit! And so, like, nobody in the world can see them, but they interact with like these aliens that exist in this world, and they're told to go hunt them. And if they like stop going, they instantly die. And there's all these other like, it's complications. It's really that fucking good. Like the movie that they made for it is good. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, I have, I've seen like a por- portion of that. I you believe. should watch it. Like, okay, super I'll have to good. I actually really liked it. The newest. Uh, speaking of animes, because I've had kind of like a like a hiatus from like w- like seriously investing in animes, but I recently watched. Um, I think it's called Outsiders. Yeah, Outsiders is that is that the one that it's I'm, on? I'm pretty it's sure Outsiders. It's basically like, or no, they're like or like they're like out Outlanders. 
I think. Outlanders or Outsiders, I like have to look it up now. Um, but basically what the concept of this anime is, is that people from history die. So like in like there's at first there's like one like a Japanese general who's fighting a war that he's gonna lose. And he like does his like last stand where he's like a voracious warrior. He like charges across like a line of pikemen and just gets skewered after like Shit. offing their general and lopping off his head and then he dies. And then he gets put into a fantasy world with elves. And shows up there. Oh, my God. And then he starts encountering people from his country's past, from, like, past clans and whatnot, who have ended up in the same place because they died. And so it's hilarious when they all meet up. They all start talking about politics and how, like, their clans failed. Like, yeah. what? My clan isn't doing what they were supposed to do? God damn it! <laughs> like, that sort of thing. That sounds fucking awesome. At one point, Joan of Arc shows up, and she's evil. Oh. And she's a bad character because she was burned at the stake when, for, for being a witch. So she has like all that animosity, so it's made her evil. Okay. And then another that. one is like a fighter pilot from like World War II shows up randomly and like fights a dragon. It's great. It's so good. Like he's going down and then he throws through a portal and shows up and there's a dragon flying. He's like, what the hell? He's like super Americanized for an anime and he's just like, yeah. what the hell is that? A goddamn dragon? <laughs> I love when they do that. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> super the funny. The parody of like the American. Oh, yeah. They character. totally make Americans like loudmouthed and ridiculous. Totally. Always. I appreciate those. Oh, same. Make me fun. Those make me laugh anytime I see them. <laughs> The, the last, uh, like, really good anime that I saw that I hadn't seen before was uh, was Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, the Ooh. one by, by Miyazaki. Mm -hmm. That's, like, crazy good to me, and I'm surprised I hadn't seen it up until, like, a few weeks ago. But just, like, this post-apocalyptic world where this a girl is able to communicate with, like, giant bugs, basically, that live in this, like, toxic forest or jungle that they are, like, nearby – and she uses that power to try to bring like world peace, basically. Um, but just the the artwork is crazy good, and it's the uh, it's like the older style of animation where like it looks like it was all hand drawn, so there's not really any like CGI that shows up in it. It was a really good movie, so I, I would recommend that one. And then, fuck, what was the other one? Uh, what was the the most recent one Miyazaki released? It was like The Wind Rises, I think was the other one. That's like the most recent one I think he made. And Princess, uh, Princess, uh, I don't want. I, I was gonna say Kamigawa, but like that's magic. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, Magic the Gathering. Uh, Princess Kagome. Nope, nope, it's not Kagome. That's not. That's a different that's anime. Inuyasha. That's that's Inuyasha. What the fuck? <laughs> we know Princess, all the anime. Uh, we know all the anime. <laughs> uh, fucking what is it? What is that? Right. It's 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 a really Princess Kaguya. Uh, it's Princess Kaguya. It's a really good movie. It's actually done in the same um, style of art form as like old like old Japanese art. Okay. So it's all hand drawn like that. Oh shit. And it's a really good, fantastic movie. Highly recommend watching it. It's gorgeous. Beautiful. Right. Welcome to episode six of this podcast where we all know a lot about anime. <laughs> yeah, apparently we all watch more of that. Apparently we spent more time talking about other things than these two <laughs> movies. Uh I think I think in a way. I did want to talk about them because they are shocking in some ways for me at least. And I, I think I was more enthusiastic to talk about them when I first thought about it. And then after watching them realized that I have a much different view about the sort of movies and the content uh, after taking a lot of film analysis classes and then like sort of changing like some of the views I have of movies overall. And so I think in a way uh, it was interesting, but not quite as interesting as I expected. So this turned out differently than, <laughs> than I was expecting and I ended up enjoying talking a lot about anime. So might have to do uh, a bit about anime horror or something. There's a horror anime and I'm pretty sure it's called, uh, I think it's called Another. 
Okay. Um, and that anime is about a bunch of like, I think they're like middle school age. And uh, you can find like death compilations of this on YouTube because it's oh. like a super intense anime. And there's a scene where one of the characters is holding an umbrella and she yep. like falls down some stairs and the umbrella like stabs her in the neck. And like, it's just shown like that anime is nuts. I've <laughs> seen <laughs> that video show up on like Facebook randomly. I don't know why it even gets brought on there, but it's always that, that death scene. This, all right, so I've seen another. I've seen, like, a, at least a decent portion of it, and it's kind of like the final destination of yeah. animes. <laughs> That's really what it is. It's just final destination in anime form because they all just, like, and there's probably some supernatural connection to one of the uh, one of the female characters in it. Right. But I don't, I don't remember all of their names, though. Oh, yeah. There's, there's But they're all uh... just grotesque. It's like watching, like, School Days. Anybody oh, ever, ever ever seen School Days? Yeah. It's like okay, it's a really violent horror horror anime yeah. sort of thing where all these girls are after this one guy, and like there's like multiple endings you can watch where like he gets with a different with a different girl, and like one of them gets pregnant or like fakes about a pregnancy, but then murders the one girl to prove that she's a liar and like rips open her stomach and is like, "See, there is no actual baby in there. She's lying to oh you. I love you the most more than this one." <laughs> Man, you went to a dark part of it. There's one that, like, fucking she gets pushed in front of a train. Like, the rival girl pushes the other girl in front of a train. And just, like, it's it's nonsense. <laughs> the, the only one that stands out in my mind is because those compilation videos like to pop up all over the internet for some reason. Or at least they keep suggesting it to me, which is like, hmm, am I searching weird things? Anyway, they, like, are showing me this one anime where this one girl gets picked up by like her legs and then just just gets ripped right in half by this monster that's like holding her and it's like a slow rip have you seen um the silent hill film that came out in like 2006 or something because like i'm pretty sure that's like a legit ass scene from that movie like it's not it's not an anime film but like pyramid head like picks up a fucking chick and like fucking just whoop and just like rip he rips off her skin first and then like rips off that was one of the first movies i went on a date to see that movie this was such an interesting <laughs> transition it was like my first date also, was a silent hill film notice the softness of your voice when you mentioned that you went because on a date because i love horror film dates they're so great like if you can sit and watch a horror film with me and especially something like that and still want to kiss me afterwards like it was like oh i watched this thing he like turned over and kissed me on the cheek afterwards i was like you're a, you're a keeper oh my god like, <laughs> so is this is this one of your uh one of your what's the word um require not requirements but like one of the things you gauge for somebody yeah, when you first yeah, meet I them like to know if they're gonna yeah. like watch like, are they gonna be sca- more scared than you are watching a horror film <laughs> yeah like there's a guy that i'm talking to now that like just doesn't like horror films at all and he's really cool but i'm like wow right. like what a life <laughs> like, there's a lot of people who don't <laughs> like horror films it that, makes people yeah. uncomfortable man it's yeah. like it's like it's like saying they're they're extreme you know, horror movies, dude, are like the death metal of the film world. <laughs> really, man, it's like it's like it's it's like they're they are they are shocking. They're they're grotesque. They are intentionally made to make you feel that way. Right. And some people love that. They love being able to feel scared or feel disgusted or feel something along those lines. You know, it's almost like you're like you know, and that and that's kind of what I mean. That's like what I would what I would say. Like if I'm gonna compare music and like the fan bases are also also cross a lot of the times. <laughs> yep. People who love death metal and stuff also tend to typically gravitate towards like horror movies and that sort of thing. That aesthetics also heavily like followed in that in that. But it's like kind of like that. Like a lot a lot of people like that genre of music. Really, it's not really everyone's cup of tea. It's super niche, and um, but like horror, but horror also is a little bit broader. 
right in spectrum i would say because you have like goofy horror that's kind of fun and silly like you know you're like evil dead 2 and stuff we're just kind of like ah oh, this is fun and then you have like saw and like like stuff where you know these people are actually like it's like it's made to make you believe that thing's happening and then there's even more it gets more extreme i'm gonna insert the clip where you said do you want to play a game from a couple episodes (laughs) right there i'm gonna insert it right after you say that see this this is why i'm saving all of them (laughs) (laughs) one day it's just gonna be a bunch of shit mitch has said in a microphone right pretty much (laughs) well okay so well before I ask you guys sort of like the wrap up question, uh, I have to say that I have become so I'm I'm easily scared watching scary movies and I think it's gotten worse lately as I've gotten older and I don't know why like that's sort of happening. But I keep anticipating that I'm gonna be writing or like on set for a horror film and I'm probably just gonna be nervous the entire time because I'm just easily scared. Like my cat jumps up on the couch and scares me sometimes. Like, that's how easy it is for me to get scared. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, is this just normal anxiety? But, like, I still want to watch them. Like, I, I want to know what's going to happen. And so I'll just – I'll do the thing where you, like, bring up your hands over your eyes, but you can still kind of see through them what's going on or, like, get a blanket or a pillow or something. Yeah, I feel like I thought I was more scared recently now until, like, I realized, like – I look at a lot of like really weird shit. So then I realize like I'm a lot less scared of things because I'll like sit there and I'll do the same thing like the eye thing. And then I'll sit and watch and go, oh, shit, that wasn't that bad. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like I wasn't as scared, but like normal shit freaks me out. Like people fucking coming up to me like and they go, hey, and I like jumpy and shit. I'm like, fuck, don't touch me. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like I get scared. But then I'm like, oh, somebody's getting fucking murdered on screen or oh, it's a jump scare. Oh, I'm fine. Like, Dang, you know I mean? like, just I'm, like, not responding to jump like, scares. Like, so <laughs> <laughs> like recently I was watching so I was like really jumpy through fucking hereditary like there was parts of it where right. I was kind of like oh shit yeah. you know what I mean but then like me and my best friend were watching like another fucking horror film or something after it and I was like perfectly fine like I just sat there and I was like <laughs> and he's like fuck you know what I mean I'm like what <laughs> what are you scared about <laughs> right. like I've been finding myself like like that more recently where I'm like sitting through shit now not as scared and I'm like oh shit Percy like something in your brain has switched the fuck off because before I used to be like no fuck everything scares me and I'm like <laughs> The guy got his head cut off fucking. Oh my <laughs> god, that laugh. <laughs> you guys are just giving me all sorts of content that I'm going to end up saving for just for sound bits. I mean, I, I kind of agree with both you guys, though, that, I mean, at least I agree more with Jonathan. Mine's not visual, though. Mine's always, always audio. Oh, really? I have to cover my ears. Because huh. I anticipate, I anticipate loud music and like those noise. So I cover my ears usually because I hate that. I don't mind if something visually shocking is going to come at me. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with that because I sometimes like the aesthetic. Sometimes I think it looks really good on film and whatnot. But if they're going to like throw a really loud horn blare into the thing when something jumps at me, right. I'm going to get scared because of the noise, not because of the thing. That's fair. That's you know, been a lot of the times. so fucking me. Like, so like I have the same thing. Like a lot of visual shit now does not freak me out as much as sound. Like, fucking, I'll sit here and listen to a fucking podcast on horror and get freaked the fuck out. And it's just the noise that's in the fucking podcast. I'm going, oh, my God, this is the most, like, like, there's a, 
there's another podcast, uh, the No Sleep podcast, where they read a lot of those stories off of like Reddit's No yes, Sleep. Yes, yes. And they did a really fucking good one. Where it was just some of the ambient fucking noise. Like I was driving back home from my mom's house on like unmarked roads oh, and yeah, shit, that is a bad and I idea. had to like pause the fucking thing and put on like children's music. Like I was putting on like Disney and shit because uh, I was like, wow, like this is where I fucking die. Like you know right. what I mean? I'm like, this is the fucking thing. But it was like the sound, like it would get like super quiet, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, like you know what I mean? The sound. I'm like, fuck, like you know, I'm like shit like i'm in this car by myself and i'm like shit i'm thinking it's raining and shit you know what i mean i feel like shit smacking the side of my car so it's like it fucks with your psyche like i think sound hella plays a big thing in this because you can watch a horror film with no sound and it's not fucking scary tons of movies are like that if you watch if you were if watch jaws and that whole scene without the music yeah not even the same effect it's super boring you're just like oh i'm swimming through water who gives a shit i think that (laughs) video exists somewhere on youtube because someone wanted to do that experiment it was similar to like the no laugh track on, yeah, fucking the comedies. Big Bang Theory. Fucking terrible TV show. I hate the like, Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah, no. I, 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 <laughs> like that I incredibly without, used to watch it. But yeah. Like, that show without the soundtrack, like, that teaches, like, that shows you to when to fucking laugh. Because that show is cringy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I don't know what's more upsetting, the fact that they make so much money for each episode, or that they're, like, legitimate, like, uh, like doctors and stuff like that, like on the show. Yeah, like some like one of the women on there, she's like she has like a math theory named yeah. after and shit. And I'm like, girl, like that show is. I mean, they're making a good fuck, money, dude, so like, like I can't be too mad at them. But it's still like, God, they're making like over a million. Running, each running, it's probably more fun to act in a nerdy comedy show and kind of make fun of yourself in your own like group probably. than it is to sit there and do equations all day long. It's probably more inter. Not saying that one's more useful than the other at all. I would say that probably she should probably go do the math thing if she can, if she's capable, because she obviously is. Um, but right. yeah, I agree though. I agree that the show is super, super cringe, and it makes fun of like the absolute fringe of like nerd culture for the most part. And then is also just making a mockery of something that's getting popular now, which is why it's popular because they're like, uh, I'm nerdy. I see so much in myself in Leonard. I had a girl once tell me that you're just like the Leonard to my penny. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. I was so like in my head I'm just like, well, I'm breaking up with you in like a couple minutes now. Side question though, side question though, if we're talking like about that. What character couple, like who do you want to find the counterpart to? Because like on my like dating profiles, I put I want to find the Jake Peralta to my Amy oh, Santiago from Brooklyn Nine-Nine because, like, they're super fucking cute. So, like, if you had to pick, like, I'm this character looking for my blank, who would the couple be? Oh, man. Uh, I got to think about that one for a second because I Give think, me a moment. Internet. I can think of a few different ones. Yeah, because I want, like, Amy, Amy Santiago and Jake Peralta. I want Morticia and Gomez. And then I think there's like one other couple like I always think. Of. Oh, it's like a League of Legends fucking couple, which is Rakan and Zaya. And I'm like, those are like my three. I'm like, yes, that's where I want to fucking be at. Like, well, yeah, of course, the the Adams family comes in the for the parents. Obviously, uh, I'd like to be Gomez <laughs> and divine and divine Morticia. And so, uh, that's like the, one of the first ones. The other one I, I could think of. Mitch looks happy. What? What's your? What's a What's a cool power couple? Yeah, like in a movie, like that you want. Like if you were to put like I'm trying to find the blank to my blank. Right. I was trying to find the blank to my brain. Yeah, say you're like when I said I'm trying to I like I want to find the Jake Peralta to my Amy Santiago. Who do you want to find to your blank? Dude, the Zoe to my wash from fucking from Firefly. (laughs) Oh my god, I was like, are you talking about Firefly right now? (laughs) Totally, I'm talking about Firefly right now. 
that's yeah, you look so pleased with that answer <laughs> that's you're a, like yeah, i'm i'm here for that's this, a pretty legitimate you, yeah. one yeah um the well the only other one i think of like almost immediately is the is like star wars characters but it's like it's sort of fucked up because it's like darth vader and well it's like Anakin and and Padme, but it's like. But I'm not trying to fucking kill her. Is the point? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) is your girlfriend (laughs) in the back? Oh shit! (laughs) No, there's obviously way better couples in that series, but they just don't end up happening all that well (laughs) because Star Wars likes to kill off couples. There's not a lot of you know in my like it was hard for me because that was the first couple I thought of when you guys asked that like a power couple and of all the movies I've ever watched like the one that was like that was the first one I thought of. Like no. I even know the, I even know yeah Anakin and Padme, and then I know I know those other two characters as well. I've seen Book of Nine. I'm so not ser- no but, no. What I originally had thought of was of course Han Solo and uh, yeah. And, okay, and there Slayer. you go. All right, because that's gotcha. like the original. Okay. I just wanted to say Anakin and her because he like chokes her out and fucking kills her. But that's like a whole different. Uh, Understood. <laughs> that's not. That was terrible. <laughs> Can we bring the girlfriend on this? Like, right, she's like, so she can, so she can redeem everything. Right, like, Justine, what, what do you think? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for, for everyone's reference, my girlfriend is sitting about 10 feet away from me and is like, no, that's not what, <laughs> that's not what I agreed to with this. What is this? <laughs> no, just I was totally kidding with, with Anakin and Padme because that was that was rough to watch because they're not good at acting. And then, uh, well, Natalie Portman is, but watching Hayden Christensen being like a really whiny baby, kind of how like Kylo Ren is. Let's not, I feel like I had a conversation about Star Wars with my roommate recently and how like the shitty, how shitty the fan base kind of is because like they pushed like Hayden Christensen to like not do fucking acting anymore. And like, that's fucked up. It's also like how, like with like the last Jedi was shit. Like, let's be honest, but like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it was a fucking. It was a terrible movie. Like you know what I mean. Like, well, but like I, the fucking. Uh, oh no. fuck, it, it had its parts, but like the fucking the whole fucking gambling planet could have been taken out of this fucking That's movie. That's fair. You know First what? First and right. foremost, and yeah. fucking what's Rose is her name? Like the actress for Rose. I can't. I feel so bad that I don't know her name. Like now I'm doing her all hell with she this. Had justice. To delete like, like Instagram media. and shit. Yeah. yeah, because people being like pieces yeah. of shit about the fucking film. Like I get you don't like a character. Ray's character is pretty fucking mad to me, but I fucking love the actress. But I'm not gonna be a piece of shit to the actress. Like fuck Daisy Ridley. You know what I mean? It's like, no, she didn't, she didn't write the fucking script. She didn't no. fucking, you know what I mean? Like the girl who plays wrote or whatever, she didn't write the fucking script. So it's not her fault that the character got fucking portrayed shittily. So like, I, that makes me feel really bad. Like, I don't, I don't think like actors should be pushed to like shit like that because like people didn't like, and it's always like nerdy movies. I feel like where it's like the oh, fan yeah, base is like sure. that too, where it's like, Oh, fucking here's me fucking oh, going on my super, horse about my shit. Like, yeah, it's just, it's picky. fucking nonsense. Yeah. I'm like, fuck just, let them fucking live their lives like oh yeah for sure i think one of the biggest things that they end up forgetting is that most of the films that are being made now it's not made for like full-grown adults for most of these like they definitely are trying to aim for like a certain audience for it and so it ended up not being made for them but in a lot of weird ways they took the storyline to different areas that wasn't like what people were expecting i was more making fun of the fact that like the way that they handled the the evolution of darth vader's character was sort of weird to me Especially with, like, how sudden it is that, like, he finds Padme and then, like, it doesn't work out, like, at all for him in, like, such a short amount of time. I thought, like, didn't really... Padme, like, fucking encounter him as, like, a child? Yeah, it was and don't, very like, weird. like, wait for him? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was kind of fucking weird. She's like... definitely much older. <laughs> but I feel like, in a way, he sort of, like, forced this romance onto her at some point. 
and like I've talked about it with a bunch of people where I'm like it was weird because she's much older than him and you get to see a clear visual of it like in the first and the first movie where he's a child and she shows up and she's maybe like 18 19 then he gets a little older and she's probably like mid 20s late 20s or something like that I hate sand <laughs> oh my God. You just had to quote one of the original lines from that movie. <laughs> uh, no, and then and then I think what ended up happening later was I didn't like uh, I didn't like the way Kylo Ren's character kind of came out to play, but I didn't like him originally, and then I think he got better. It hurts my fucking soul because I love Kylo. <laughs> he got better though. I think he got he better in the films. Good through all of them. No. Like. He's pretty. He's pretty much the. He's what Anakin would have become if he hadn't gotten burned, and what Anakin was becoming was just this really like whiny. Why can't I have the power that I want? Sort I mean, of deal, I don't see him as whiny. That's the thing. Like he's showing off like intense emotion, right. in which you don't get in a lot of other fucking like villains and stuff. You know what I mean? Like this, this was like a huge criticism of his character was that he was so emotional, and it was like, oh, like we have this like bitch boy fucking character. When I was like, no, sorry that this man has a full capable range of fucking emotions. You celibate carrot, like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, what the fuck? like you know what I mean? Like it was just fucking night. Like this shit made me so mad. Like I was like. I have I have a specific reason why I didn't like his character in the first movie he showed up in, but I liked him in the following movies as we got to know more about him and like why he was acting a certain way. It wasn't so much his emotions that was a problem. Like it's good to have emotional depth for a character. It was that he sort of lost a lot of his menacing, uh, like character like qualities as soon as he lost his mask. Like when, so like you see him in the beginning of the first movie, like the first of the trilogy, he cuts down this old man who used to be like one of his teachers and you're like, all right, yeah, this is one of the new Sith like apprentices that's coming up and wants to like take over. And then he removes his helmet and it's almost like all of the like evil menacing characteristics that were with him were gone suddenly. And I don't know if that was purposeful. See, that's the thing. I don't see it that way. And I don't feel like it was supposed to be portrayed. Like, I feel like that's where a lot of the criticism comes is like people were like, oh, he's like emasculated by taking off his mask, which to me is really strange. I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, I I get you. That's like hardcore people's like, you know, like fucking like portrayals of this. And I don't see it that way. Like, I felt like him taking off like the mask, like it made him more fucking relatable. Like there's a lot. It's like I'm going to fucking bring this to another movie, but like. Thanos from Infinity War, if you really fucking think about it, is extremely fucking relatable. Like the <laughs> shit, like it, like he's one of those villains where you're kind of like, oh fuck, he's like you know right. what I mean? Like, the yeah, like you know, like, are right, like I'm not trying to sit here and right. be like, we need to kill off half of the fucking population, but like he's like, you know, like oh my fucking home was decimated by these kinds of things, and I'm just trying to do this so future generations don't go through that. And like when you really sit there and think about it, you're like, oh shit, like Thanos was kind of fucking right like it's like you have killmonger and black panther where like you had a lot of people that were like wow like this is a super fucking oh, racist film no. but like if you really think of killmonger's like fucking like what he wanted like he was pissed off that wakanda left black people and made them fuck and let them fucking suffer through what they had and he was like this is bullshit i want to bring fucking wakanda to the world yeah. and bring so we ha- like black people don't have to go through this his fucking father was killed like you have these like relatable ass villains that they're like is becoming like this like president that I want to say and like I really like that like Kylo Ren to me is like one of those first ones that I really saw where I was like oh shit like this is someone who's like I I want to live up to this image and as someone who like had to constantly live up to like an older siblings like fucking like 
dude, what they did. Oh, so like, like the relations to the legacy then sense. at some point for him. Yeah, like you know, like he's a super fucking like he take like in the mask with the mask on. He's a suit like he's a super brooding. You know, like people don't get it, but he takes off the mask and it's like, oh shit, I can see myself. It's like Thanos, like when he really right. sits down at the end of Infinity War with like baby Gamora and she's like, was it worth it? Oh, dude. That like, was you know what up. I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like it's this you're coming to terms with, oh, shit, these characters are like me where they're going through these fucking feelings. And it's like, was it really right. worth it? It should also so. be noted that Killmonger is uh, in the comics. He's more of his rival than he is a villain of the series and i didn't like that for the movie they tried to make him out to be the villain of the entire movie Mm -hmm. because uh he had so many legitimate like gripes with what was going on and how they were secluding themselves they were being like isolationist and then someone's someone took that as an interpretation of like what like the united states is doing prior to joining the world war where like they were being isolationist because no one was really bothering them and then go ahead I'd like to make a point that comparing the real world to fantasy is dumb. Oh. <laughs> it's just absolutely dumb. <laughs> like you can, you can, you can go, but it's not, it's not set up the same way. No. You know what I mean? And I, and I like, and I don't think that, you know, Wakanda is not the U S it's not the U S no, it's no, not, no. it's not even the same type of idea. Yeah. Like it, uh, uh, you know what I mean? At all. Like it's just so far removed. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of people do like, Oh yeah. You know, like, our current government thing is just like, you know, the uh, Fellowship of the Ring fighting against Mordor, you know, like, oh it's, like shit, it's like shit like that. It's like it's like, no, it's not. I, like, it's- I think it really depends on like the media, because I would like argue that there is like a lot of shit that we actually could like. It's I don't like the Hunger Games, but I can oh. understand why people fucking like put like parallels to it. And like in a lot of speculative friction, speculative fiction that we have, like a lot of basis comes from the real yeah, world. Yeah, it's social commentary. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, like if you sit and read, like there's a book called Octavius Brood and it's fucking speculative <laughs> fiction with yeah. a social justice twist. And if you read through a lot of it, like there's a, a book, there's a short in it called uh, The Token Superhero. And it makes a lot of sense. Like we didn't have a lot of black fucking superheroes when we looked at it. You know what I mean? Like we, we fucking, we didn't have a lot of fucking black fucking Disney films. Like people were trying to tell us fucking the Lion King was our fucking film. And that's really? who it is. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. Oh my God. People are fucking weird. Um, mm. and then we got fucking, you know, Tiana and shit. And we finally got that. And then we had the shit with Wreck-It Ralph where they all of a sudden lighten the fuck out of her and people were losing their fuck. Like, you know, like there's a lot of shit that can be drawn into films. Like that was my yeah. whole fucking area of study was like how, right nerd culture in a sense is like shifted so much over time that a lot of his bases comes from what happens today. Yeah. I mean, I know that, I know that there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of things that analyze stuff and try to, and try to create like metaphors for things that are going on. And I think that you'll see that in a lot of dystopian literature, like hunger games is another good example. That's, that's dystopian lit. Like, yeah, you can, you can, you can dislike it all you want, but that's, but that, I mean, people draw parallels because uh, dystopias are based off of fear. A lot of the time, if you go back and you read ones from like, if you go back and you read the Iron Heel from 1909, um, that book is all about fear of oligarchy. And there's so much conversation between two characters, like business owners and the workers parties and like them discussing things and like who owns the machine, who's on top of the machine, who spins the wheels. And then it talks about how this oligarchy like wraps up the whole world under their under their iron heel and dominates all of them through the use of like business. And then it gets even like our fears of like our fears of like of contamination, our fears of people being ignorant to things and just letting stuff like if you watch um it can't have if you read it can't happen here. That's another another really really good book also that's just about people like being enamored by a speaker, by a political speaker and then just going along with everything and being okay with it 
and just like and they like walk out of his speeches like feeling really inspired but they don't remember what he said sort of like sort of shit like that and it's so like you can i can see parallels being drawn with stuff like that that has like a sort of a place in the real world where it's like i'm trying to recreate a representation of our real world with cities and our buildings and our government system and everything i think you'll get a lot more interesting observations out of that because a lot of these people wrote books especially if you want like 1984 george orwell first of all grew up during the time when there were gnarly totalitarian rulers he also purposely lived among the poor and gave up everything he owned to live like a poor person so he could learn what it was like for those struggling classes Uh, and whatnot he did that's what all he wrote he wrote like three biographies about it no it's not it's not that he did it it's just that i'm like why the fuck did you even bother to do that but like that's a whole different discussion yeah well i mean because he because he really wanted to learn what it was like and he's like he's like is it really as bad as they say it is am i really like living a lie what's real so i'm gonna go find out and wrote about it and so and he discussed like how like you know the upper class is like crushing these people and it's been a thing forever and it but i mean besides like trying to bring everything back from like well so the main reason i i brought up the connection with with black panther with the united states with things like that was because uh one of like like as a part of killmonger's like last moments on screen he mentions uh slavery in like what like why he wanted to die a certain way and like they even let him deliver like a really strong line at the end mm-hmm. of the movie for like that was that was strong even for like a Disney movie for them to like allow something like that. Killmonger was really interesting. Though. Right, he was a good he was a good villain. I, and, I yeah. really liked Black Panther. I like, guess yeah. Movie. It was and very then for good. for so for them to do that and then to mention that because so so to mention something as heavy as that and how connected it is to the history of the United States is why mm. I ended up mentioning yeah, it. As yeah, like a okay, understood more. that particular part. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. well, that's specifically because they are doing a modern interpretation of, like, w- like revisiting something that people have talked about numerous times while also doing something a little bit more futuristic with what is the possibility of a country that's never been colonized? What is it going to look like? And uh, what is the, t- the technology and everything going to look like if they had never experienced colonialism happening in their country and then moving forward with that? And... Black Panther was also made during the 70s, like when they knew that they needed some form of like black hero. And so they created Black Panther, which was like obviously a direct connection to the Black Panther Party. So it was like there was a lot of stuff going on during that time period. So it's almost it's almost wouldn't be fair to talk about it and then separate it from like real life events. I think I think I think Black Panther did a really good job of potentially representing ideals of two opposing sides within the same faction. Like yes. sort of like like sort of like two different ideologies. You have a super militant like I want to you know I want to like I want to rule and take care of it and do everything my way, and then you have like sort of like you have like the chaotic good side, and then like the lawful good side. And, you know you've got um you've got Black Panther. I always fucking forget his his actual name, Killmonger and Black Panther. You've got <laughs> T'Challa. Those T'Challa. Thank, yeah. Thank you, T'Challa. There you go. Thank you. Um. So yeah, I always forget. But um, but then you have like both of those sides. So you have like the more militant side, and you have the more like the chaotic good side, and then there's the lawful good side. One right. who's like, these are the ways we've always done things, and I'm going to maintain that because that's what I believe is safe for my people. And then one who's just like, fuck that. Like we need to bring this and increase our people's our people's like state in the world. Like what are you doing? Like maintaining this. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see extra scenes and story about. Uh, is it Mbaku? The Oh, the who, vegan, uh, the up, vegan. Oh, yeah. my baby, that's straight up baby. He ends up being like one of the best, <laughs> most noble characters in the film, and like he doesn't get nearly enough screen time for all the stuff he was doing. The gorilla tribe. Yeah. Yes. 
I love He's him. amazing. He's like, the one where that's the guy who saved um fucking yeah. T'Challa when he fell off the thing exactly. and then they were like they were yep. doing the he fucking thing and he was like, Oh, I'm vegan. Like the joke, I think that's where it comes out is yeah. that scene. Like Oh, where he mentions about his children. So attractive. Fuck. Like Well, I so so that part was funny because he's like, Oh, I'm gonna feed you to like my children. And he's like, just kidding, we're all vegan. Is what he says that. And then uh but in that moment he um he decides to give up the Black Panther power, like that they were gonna give to him. He instead takes them over and is like T'Challa is still alive and like gives it to him instead. And that I think they handled the translation from comic book to film with him because the original depiction of him was really racist uh really yeah well because they were relating him directly to a gorilla and to being like Fuck. and so like when it first got released he was very much that stereotypical character in the comics and so they're trying to think of the best way that he could get translated into film and they did it really well that was it became more of just a symbol of the tribe and not a racist thing that they were going to bring into the film for mm. what they were doing so that was handled really well i mean mabaku was literally in a fucking like ape cost like, right his helmet man. oh yeah so if you look up like, the comic he he looks a certain way shit, and that's yeah. how and he is dev he became like one of the other rivals to uh to the black panther in addition yeah to his Killmonger. fucking name is man ape yeah man ape is what they called him uh they they didn't even like name him until like really recently in some of the comics so interesting how they ended up handling that but he ended up being one of like my more favorite characters even though you didn't get to see him that much in the movie <laughs> I agree. Was also one of my favorites. Right. I liked all the scenes he's in. You're just like, I want to just give that guy a hug. He's cool. Super nice. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> oh, we we just went in uh, <laughs> on Black Panther. We were like, you know what? <laughs> we want. I, I feel like this podcast has to have some sort of like we have to explain where this is going. <laughs> uh, what's gonna happen is I'm gonna name the title and it's gonna be like sorta. <laughs> there you go perfect perfect we're, we're gonna we go sort of talk about right. cannibal holocaust and, and then go into a way of the, well because these are all these i think this topic is what interests all of us the most as, as of as right like, now right, yes. uh, what's going on with it um you, you know the original cut of black panther is supposed to be like four hours what yeah oh, i would have lived that's how much content they, right i would have 100 percent sat filmed, and watched through that they filmed like five to six hours of content like because they wanted so much for the story and then they had to cut it down and everything like that but the original cut like the one they wanted to release was four hours and they're like you can't do a four-hour movie the fuck we have lord of the Rings. fuck all I this know. bullshit like, right <laughs> and so they were like okay we need to like save this and then possibly do like another movie so they're gonna do they're gonna do another movie are they doing black panther too yeah uh but Oh, that's coming. Yeah, oh, that's do not freeze. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I do not freeze. <laughs> My fucking, those are some of like, the best lines from that fucking film. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I just, I love T'Challa and what, Nakia is his girlfriend, I think. I can't remember if I'm thinking of his sister. Nakia? Yeah. Or if I'm thinking of it, fuck, is that his sister's name or is that his girlfriend's name? I don't think Black Panther has a lover. Yes, he, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, he does. Am I fucking dumb? (laughs) Did I forget that part of the movie? Oh my God, that's like fucking uh, Lupita Nyong'o's whole fucking character was that that was his ex-girlfriend that he was still in and then they fucking got back together. Or like some kind of weird shit. But it wasn't. All right, all right, all right, all right. Jesus, your voice is so, raised like eight octaves. So, so mad that I forgot a little tiny part of that movie. Because it's not a tiny part. She's like a main character. Like, oh my god. I mean, I, it's not. It's not his sister who is way more important. 
so we had fucking, okay. No, I'm fucking pissed. So, okay, we had fucking three strong-ass black women in this. You're trying to tell me that fucking the sister was more important? They were all equally as important because they all worked together. We had bald-headed bitch. We had fucking, uh, I can't, I can't think of her name. Oh, I liked her a lot. She was awesome. She was super cool. You're talking about the the main general. Yeah, yeah, the guard. she. Oh my gosh, she she's fucking. Percy um, just did a little dance. That's, yeah, that's what fucking, happened. I just I love that movie so much. Um, she's from The Walking Dead. That's the fucking. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of her name from the. Because I'm not really into is The Walking it, Dead. Like. Is it? Who is? It's not Michonne, is it? Yeah, it is Michonne. Oh, it's Michonne yeah. with that yeah, hair. Yeah, oh, okay, cool, awesome. All right. Cool. Um, and then there's like, his yeah, sister. Like um, fucking his sister, which the actress's name is Leticia Wright, if I'm right. Yeah. Um, and then there's fucking Lupita Nyong'o's character, which mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure is Nakia. And fucking, they were all well, three like she... as a being. Like that is a fucking you. Like if I am ever in some fucking kind of thing and had to call on three fictional superheroes, that is a hundred percent who the fuck I want to protect me is bald headed bitch, fucking <sighs> science bitch, and fucking girlfriend. Science bitch. Like that's what I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> there's some fist pumps coming from the crowd. <laughs> this is great. Uh, you know, in the in the comics, the little sister ends up working with the other little girl, the one who has the T Rex as her friend. <gasps> oh, the smartest girl in the yes. Marvel universe. Yes, they oh end up working together to create some really modern technology Doesn't to protect her. The sister also, in some point, become Black Panther. Yes, yeah. she takes up the mantle after uh, T'Challa is not Ooh. able to do it, and so they they get. Um, I don't know if it's the first female Black Panther like officially in the comics or the storyline, but there's multiple people who take up that mantle. And then T'Challa is not like, he's not like out of commission. He just can't do that job anymore. And then he goes and does alternative things in the Marvel universe. Um, He's just not like representative so much of the country anymore. He's not like King, things like that. And usually it goes to like family members or, or you, you know, you do what they did in the film. You challenge someone. (laughs) <laughs> and you take whatever position of power which you want to do with that but yeah it was super cool to see the this was around the same time that they had someone else take up uh the main person who was iron man like the who started wearing the suits it was the it was the black woman you saw on the cover who was holding oh. the iron man helmet and so there was her and then a female took over thor's position she was able to wield the side hammer comment. justine please do a cosplay of fucking lady Iron Man because you would 100% right? like hair yeah. and everything yeah, like you are dead ass spot on <laughs> like the perfect person for that cosplay. That would be fucking like. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's so much there's so much cool shit. The storyline about how Thor's uh, uh how he like becomes sort of unworthy to hold the hammer for a period of time and then this girl takes up holding the hammer and like become like inherits all of the powers of Thor for however much time is really good. It's a really well like done comic. And it was, I read it after I read it after um, reading the civil war comics and the civil war comics made me cry. Like I haven't cried at something that I was reading in a long time. My favorite comic, probably the one that got me into everything is actually Watchmen. That's a good fuck. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you Like, like the movie? I've never seen the movie. Mm. I've, only, I've only read the comic I've read the comic like multiple times the too. movie takes yeah. some bits from the comic like frame to frame like it is like almost exactly like what you're seeing there and it's really really well played out and I like the actors they chose mm. for it so it's worth it you should watch the extended one so the extended version has a cut end of a secondary story about a pirate captain and it like sort of extends out the movie but the story that gets included is the story that the kid is reading at the newsstand so you'll you'll see like the connection there. It's pretty cool. So the, like the comic that the kid is reading inside the movie Ooh. is the storyline that gets played out through the movie. 
so it's worth it's worth like three hours that the extended version is <laughs> is it um i think it's yeah it's about it's like just under three hours but it, i've seen that movie me. so many times now. i fucking love Watchmen. so yeah i still need to buy the comic what was your first comic john Mo- comic that got you that like was like uh the first comic that brought me into things was spawn Oh, that's awesome! That's yeah, so cool. Uh, I was uh, I was gifted the first uh, the first um, edition, not edition. The first uh, what am I trying to say? Like a compilation of of issues or something along those lines. Uh, first the first issue, I- the first issue, first issue? the okay. very first issue of Spawn that came out in the nineties. Oh, very cool! As a kid, I was I was gifted that by another family member who didn't know anything about it. They were like, "This looks cool." Gave it to me, and then I ended up reading it, and just ended up reading all of the Spawn comics. So like the Spawn movie, even though it's a terrible fucking movie, I love it because it was like one of the first like things I had seen that was like an adaptation of. I I, I love that movie. Right. I don't even think it's that. I don't really think it's that bad. It's 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 the the new Spawn that's coming out pretty soon. I've heard about yeah. doesn't sound even close to as good. Well, I mean, this or, movie had like John Leguizamo as the as the clown. And then, like, it was one of the first ones, I think, that included, uh, God, I can't remember his name right now, but he, he's, like, uh, he's been in a few other movies. He's a really cool black character, and uh, it also definitely kept alive the idea that Spawn is black and mm-hmm. was, like, maintaining that storyline, and they didn't want to change it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I have, I still have the comics. They're, like, sitting on my bookshelf from where I can see here. Like, I have the first one there, the first issue, and now it's got to be, like, 25, 26 years old. And it's like one of the first ones I read. And then after that, um, I was reading all the Star Wars Dark Horse comics. So like when you got to see all of the alternative storylines that were happening, uh, which apparently now Disney was like, is none of this is canon, which is like kind of fucked up. I think they've like kind of backed up on that. And they're right. trying to say like certain things are in canon, but uh, it's Disney. Right. I know. <laughs> it's That's some Disney. fucked up shit. So on a side note on Disney, uh, the Star Wars uh, Galaxy's Edge is actually opening up earlier than they thought. And I think it's opening up in April or May. Dude, if it opens up in May, I'm going for my birthday. I'm pretty sure they like stated that it's opening up like real like the they were actually able to push it forward and that it will be opening up sooner. And I think it's going to be the only part in Disneyland you can drink in. Oh, my God. Because they'll actually have like an actual cantina. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. they're going to have a cantina is why they're totally going to do that. That's awesome. Holy shit. Uh, if you haven't seen pictures of Galaxy, I went to Disneyland last year yeah. for my birthday and we got to go see it. Galaxy's Edge is going to be pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, they have like a Millennium Falcon like hanging off the side of a building Well, and there's shit. a Millennium like, Falcon ride. Yeah. Like you get to drive. Like, yeah, you get different. You I go think in, if that's the one yep. you get like the different roles exactly. and shit. Fuck yeah. You're going to go in with a crew basically. <laughs> so you get to choose the people you go in with or you just get put in a random crew. And you'll take up the position of being either the pilot, like in control, the Millennium Falcon, one of the gunners, and one of the engineers. Galaxy's Edge opens up in Disneyland on May 31st. Fuck. Mm-hmm. We're going to go. And right now they're doing the SoCal three days for 150, 180 bucks. And I think it ends up until May. So you right. might want to just get your tickets now for that. If I don't get them there, yeah. I'll get them with my dad on Camp Pendleton. Yeah. Super cheap. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm totally going to do that. Hell yeah. Oh my God. Just said the whole thing. I'm going to, um, man, I'm going to plan that. Yeah. I'm trying to like plan it out. Like if things go well with the guy that I'm talking to, I'm like, let's go make a Disney trip to go to <laughs> Galaxy's <laughs> Edge. Yo, it's going to be so crowded. Those like first few months. You of know how fucking like those ticket prices are going to soar because of Galaxy's Edge. Cause you're just going to have all your fucking fanboys, fucking, you know what I mean? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> it's Star Wars. Like, you know what I mean? Like fucking gonna be a nightmare like i'm ready for it uh, like, I, what i'm not prepared for is all of the body stank 
that's going to be in that part of the park because all these men don't know how to bathe themselves. <laughs> well, if you want a even more exciting thing for all the Harry Potter fans, fucking Universal Studios Florida is opening up their Hagrid's Magical Journey ride. I think this year, which is they're getting um the Dueling Dragons ride. Oh, what? They, we don't have it here because we don't have the space for it. Right. But um, they're getting, it's being redone to a ride that has to do with Hagrid. And I love Hagrid so much. Right. That's my baby. <laughs> um, I make like monthly pilgrimages to fucking Hogsmeade. So like pilgrimage. Oh I don't my know, God. Yeah. I have a I have a universal pass. So I was going to say, go, is it because you have a pass? Yeah. I go like, I'm going next weekend. <laughs> like, so you know, I go and they have really good food. But yeah, that's another thing. I follow up on a lot of theme park things because I go to a lot of theme parks. Right. It's also Renaissance Fair season just for everybody that's fucking excited. So there's just a lot of shit going on. Like, <laughs> I've never been to any sort of Renaissance Fair. Can we have a fucking The Grindhouse host go to a Renaissance Fair? Uh, that'd be <laughs> like, cool. I'd be down for that. That'd be yeah. such a fucking fun uh, we'd, I think we'd have to dress up for sure. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck yeah. do you know? Yeah. I think. What? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, yes, you're going to have to dress up. That's the best part. What? Like, See, now I don't know what I dress up as, though. I dress up every time I go as a fucking wench. Just throw on a tunic and some loose what pants I do. and walk around. You'll just be there. Dude, it's, it's so fucking fun. It is so fun. What, and do you, what do you do? Like, what's the... The fuck do you mean? You throw axes. You get to watch jousting. You do your fucking medieval speak. Like, I, I drink meat. I start drinking meat at 11 in the fucking I, morning, I dude. the bigger ones do, like, uh, like medieval reenactments of battles too okay yeah, where they like, like charge the, each other and stuff yeah. like that and then like sometimes like i think i remember seeing it like the battle like like the uh the armies will clear and then there'll be two people dueling each other while the rest of the soldiers are around them yeah dude, and things like that escondido yeah. does I, it yeah. all right there's a, a renaissance fair that happens in yeah. escondido and they fucking do a reenactment I've there heard too of that one too that one's yeah. super sick i keep getting told about them but i never viking never fair come. viking fest is coming up super soon that comes in and that's always in September, like around my birthday. Well, they're always they do on it my birthday. Twice a year, I think now, because I've heard oh, that there's one coming up. Like Ooh. it's coming up real soon. Yeah, yeah, it's getting. It got popped. All the mead. It's <laughs> <laughs> all the meaderies are around, and so all that like, goes out. It's and... super fun. Like that is Renaissance fairs are where the fuck it's at, dude. Like that is some fun shit that you can just. They make season passes for fucking Renaissance fairs. Like it's fun. I have a few things I have not had a chance. Cause you, y'all have been so excited about all the topics you guys are talking about that I have been wanting to say something, multiple things, that I have consequently forgotten or they have slipped my mind while waiting to speak. All right, go for it. So, first of all, I want to go back to our D&D discussion um, on Australian accents. All right. So, uh, the only um, race in D&D that can have an Australian accent are the drow because they come from a land down under. Oh my god. You've been hanging on to that one. The only reason it's an actual fucking Australian accent is because I can't do a real accent, know, so it just devolves into it. I know. I know. Secondly, I would I would like to uh to talk about the comics that I've read, because I love talking about the comics that I've read. Hell yeah. Um so the first one I ever read was um was an excerpt called The Death of Gwen Stacy for Spider-Man. Yeah. So that was the first arc of comics I ever read was when I was a little kid in my grandparents, my grandmother's house. And I was reading the death of Gwen Stacy. And that is gnarly. That was the first time I'd ever been like, Oh yeah, someone just got their neck snapped. Oh, and the hero didn't save her. And I was like, so stoked on it, but like upset. And then I, uh, I would read like Watchmen and like, uh, um, V for Vendetta. I read both of those. Yeah. Also both of those graphic novels. I have that on my shelf right there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other one, my favorite comic series ever, is Transmetropolitan. Yes, my absolute I knew you favorite. You were going to mention it. I I will always mention yeah. Transmetropolitan. It's, it's amazing. It's such a good satirical comic, and it, reader, l- listeners, 
Go check it out. Find it. Read it somehow. It's Warren Ellis is an absolute like just a treat to read. Um, and Darren Robertson's great, great um, illustrator. Also fantastic. A picture of his glasses of of uh, the main character's Spider glasses. Spider Jerusalem was going around the internet recently, and like no connection to the comic, which is really weird. Yeah, no people like make like make like uh, replicas of those glasses like all the time. Yeah, well, it was weird to see it, and I knew what it was, but then to see no other connections to it. Like people just thought they were cool glasses, and I was like, "What? This is from a specific comic? Like, yeah, this it's is like, like a this, character's yeah, like, glasses." The round one is a camera. He had cameras putting his glasses on purpose. Right. It's <laughs> it's crazy good. Have it's, you read that? What, Percy? Transmetropolitan. I have not. It's like Hunter S. Thompson in the future, in like a dystopian America. Hmm. Yeah. In like year three thousand, and he's just like walking around as like humanity has just fallen to. It's like cyberpunk. It's all cyberpunk I'll have stuff. To check it out. I'll yeah, check it's it super out. good. There's awesome. a matter maker that makes its own drugs to get itself high. Yep, <laughs> it's Cause great because it's, it's depressed. Yeah, <laughs> I, love this. I love it. That's cool. Hell yeah! Holy shit! Yeah. So I just wanted to mention at least those two things. Oh, and also, I uh, do not think that the criticism of Luke's portrayal in um, the Last Jedi are feasible or okay. What do you mean? I don't. A lot of people said that it was out of character for him to act the way that he did. Oh. But I'd like to counter that with saying that it was actually good writing on their part to give his character something to actually overcome. Right. Because not everyone who's old like that is going to continue to maintain a positive outlook on life and always be super hopeful. Like, no, people who are hopeful get crushed and get depressed and get sad and get like spiteful and angry about their past and I about mean, things shit, that haven't I'm worked out for them. And I'm- spiteful as shit. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, exactly. But I mean, and even then though, but like just it just but it just goes to show people can fall that way. And I think that it was good that they portrayed him away where he had to overcome his hopelessness over the whole situation. And then he comes back for his last like his last deal, which is to help. Well personally I think Yoda's inclusion in the story uh, when he comes in sort of explains why he ends up doing what he does. Mm -hmm. Like Yoda comes in and tells him that like you're too worried about these ancient texts you're too worried about how like they might turn out because he was obviously afraid to teach more students because of what had happened with kylo ren and then it made sense that he essentially did what yoda did he became a part of the force and like transcended in a certain Mm -hmm. way so i agree it did it did make sense i I think i mean i think that i i also really wanted to talk about that movie a little bit because there was a lot of people who just hated that movie and I just and I was just like I had I had so much fun watching it. I enjoyed it. I thought that they really like gave the series a kick in the pants a little bit, like visually, like action wise, like character wise. They gave like a lot of people some more interesting qualities about them that developed these older characters that we've all seen for 30, 40, 60, how many years now? Like you know, for all these years we've watched we've rewatched all those Star Wars movies that are made in the seventies. We still watch them. Yeah. I and don't so, hate The Last Jedi for its content. I actually just hate I just don't like it. I just didn't think it was a good film. Like just in general. Like how collectively it was made. as a yeah, good Yeah, like narrative. I just thought it was shit. Like I was like, oh like the like the gambling planet is one of like my biggest gripes because I get it. It's supposed to it puts in a political agenda and already in a film that already has a right pretty you know a political agenda to it but it's like i don't know if you've seen the last jurassic park the one that just came out recently a uh, lost world yeah there's a whole spiel at the end that uh, jeff goldblum's character goes into and it yeah the film is is extremely political and i i get it it just seems misplaced 
Like it's like it's like For sections of the film where like it just shouldn't have been at. Yeah. So like I get that they're like, oh, like fucking your people are also paying for these same types of weapons. So like, who's really the good guy? That's like okay, I get it. But like this is an overused trope. Like you know, I'm like yeah. it. It just didn't seem like it sat well where it was at. I was like, it was really weird. Why I think I think there's there? something. It's also been a while since I saw it, since I have seen the movie. I didn't like seek it out for a rewatch to like critique it. I just remember walking out of the theater and being like, Oh, that was enjoyable. I was, I'm curious to see where the series goes from now. And I haven't like, I watched all the older star movies. I watched all the prequels and stuff. And I feel like the series needed, like needed like a kick, some sort of, it needed something to get it, to get it back to being like, but also like these new films aren't meant for us old fans. So like they're meant for the generation now. Cause like, this is going to be like when we're older, these are going to be the kids that grow up to become historians of that. And they're talking about, Oh, when fucking episode seven came out and I was like six, you know what right. I mean? Like it's meant for them. It's in the same sense that a lot of us grew up with like star with original star Wars. And we're like, Oh shit, as a kid, like this was really cool. It's the same thing for them. It's giving them their chance to have something like that. Also mm-hmm. anybody who picks up anything star Wars is already dealing with such a massive universe that, they're never going to please quite everyone who's yeah. going to watch it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's already difficult to make a film within the universe. Yeah, but I, I agree with, with Mitch where it was an enjoyable film to watch, especially the first time through, because you're just excited to watch another Star Wars film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then as I went through it more, there were certain pieces I didn't like, including mm-hmm. the gambling planet scene, because yeah, you could have cut out that entire scene and it, the movie would have still been fine. Mm-hmm. And you could have just said they went there, and then like something happened. Yeah. What's um the name of the pilot? The she had really short hair. The one that Poe kept trying to defy. She ended up dying with the ship when she oh, sent like, it into the other one, Captain um, like Hold Hold Holo or something, uh, like, something like Captain, that. Captain or not Captain, or uh, General, General General Holdo. Yeah, like I I really liked her character. She though. was great. Like I thought, yeah, like yeah. I was like, oh shit, like well that was, she was yeah. ready to fucking die for this shit, like. That was kind of like, I get it, Poe is like this hot-headed fucking thing. But I was like, no, that bitch died for what was going on. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, she, she dead. Like, she really believed in the cause. Yeah, like she straight up <laughs> yeah. was. She like hyper-fucking-sped or whatever the fuck it is. Like that so fucking she, the thing into the yeah, other one. And just, oh, my God. That was uh, great. There's so many pieces to that. So, like, one, people thought that there was something wrong with the film because it went quiet during that that uh, like really aesthetically pleasing scene where like she basically does the ship into hyperdrive and then it goes straight through the other ship and it cuts to like this black and white sort of flash of the ship going through it and then it was quiet for like a few seconds because like the ship is going into hyperspace basically turned into a missile so there's a scene that i want to ask y'all about because i know a lot of people have a lot of mixed views on this yeah but let's talk about Leia fucking sports or force fucking <laughs> pulling herself through space because I know a lot of people have some real fucking mixed Talk views on that mic. scene like fucking her being like I'm gonna fucking do this and now I've pulled myself through the fucking middle of space and I still make it through like I know like I, I've heard like I have a my ex is like really into Star Wars and went on this like fucking like hour fucking thing like defending like this fucking part of the movie right and like had other people like critique him like oh, what the fuck like so i want to know like so what did y'all think about that are like, you saying people were upset that yeah, she there's did a, this there's people that are upset and people think that it's really cool so like i want to know like what do, what was y'all's view of that scene i think that it makes sense on a lore basis makes sense on a lore basis because of who leia's who leia's related to and how she was born and i feel like she was never first of all She's in a place of political power. Princess, now now queen, I believe, later yeah. on. Or or, or she never queen. gets I'm so, uh, I'm so she never gets star. translated to anything else. But general. she's still she's still like high. She becomes politi- general, yeah. yeah. General. Okay, gosh. General, so yeah, she's yeah. so she's a high so she's 
a higher a higher up. So she's probably dealing with more than wanting to go do dread eye training and whatnot, like you know Luke does. Uh, no. Yeah, she doesn't get the opportunity. Their split makes it so that nobody pays attention to those powers, so she never gets to inject them. And it makes sense to me, just to me, that adrenaline kicking in, like, midichlorian stuff, and then her being able to access the Force that way in order to save something. I, I can't remember. Is she saving herself? She's saving herself. Yeah, she's yes, she saves herself. herself. Yeah. yeah, she saves herself. Okay, gotcha. That, I, I know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, she, she saves herself. And so it makes sense to me, like, that part. And I actually thought it was kind of cool that they did that for her character. Even though it was going to also be like, I think it's the last movie he's going to be into. No, she's in the new one. She's in the new one she's as well. She's going to be okay, in the new gotcha. one, but like they're going to do CGI and then it makes of her actually being there. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. cool. Rev in peace. Uh, right. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few things. So first, I agree with Mitch. It makes sense because of her family relations and how powerful they were all were in the forest. Um, and it was a good, unique way to display her power without going over the top with it. And to, like, solidify that they're a very powerful family. And then, like, if people are really upset about her surviving, like, the vacuum of space, there's way other, like, there's so many other things that were done with the Force besides that. That's why I'm not upset about it because, like, somebody tried to bring, like, oh, like, she shouldn't have been able to do that. Like, fucking fucking, Darth Plagueis changes bodies. In fucking, uh, what is it? Uh, The Force Awakens, fucking Kylo Ren gets, like, fucking hit with the fucking saber in, like, the chest. And he just starts beating himself like this. No, he gets shot in the stomach. Oh, yeah, whatever the fuck it was. And he's, like, just doing this. And he's literally using the Force to hold himself fucking together. Like, so I was like, it makes sense. He took, like, a straight blaster shot to his stomach, like, where all of his guts would have spilled out. And he was, yeah, he's still going. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to for people to be like, oh, you wouldn't survive the vacuum space is not they, a real they, argument, I think. In, also, in that in that sense, they also didn't overdo like like you said, they also didn't overdo Leia's power either. Right. They didn't have her like blow up a ship with her powers out of the blue yeah. or anything. It was just a very simple little thing. Yeah. It was like a trick that a Padawan would do. You know. <laughs> well, I don't know about a Padawan. <laughs> I don't know, maybe like, whatever. You know, like a lower, yeah. like a, like a, like somebody who's just learning. You know, would do something like that as like a reactive. That's instinct. funny. I have I have a side note to talk about Padawans apprentices in a second but the so like for her i was really upset because i thought she was actually dead and uh i didn't want i would like don't, she's one of those characters i don't want anything bad to happen to in the whole series because i'm just like no she's exactly who she needs to be in the series and like it sucks that she didn't get explored more as like uh like a warrior in her younger days because in the comics she's a really really cool like action hero you get to like if you go and read the leia comics she does so much uh, like random adventures with Han Solo and a few other people uh, like on the ground fighting with uh, with a blaster most of the time. And then she learns how to use a few weapons. So there's not enough storyline played out in like the official films. So to include something like that was really cool to see her kind of evolve that way. And, and then to see that she's highly capable of all these things, in addition to being a really good diplomat, she's she's the general for a reason like like you had mentioned earlier where she's uh in a p- good political position of power and she becomes the general and she she does that with han and even though they like kind of separate for a bit it's not really like a big deal but let's talk about how jedi uh jedi padawan um cannot stand up to any sith apprentice they're almost always going to lose to the apprentices because of the way that the sith take power like every instance you've ever seen these fucking Padawans get mowed down <laughs> over and over again. And it's like, uh, I don't want to like bag on like, Oh, the Jedi aren't doing things the proper way, but like because of their like inclusive, uh, way that they're bringing everyone in, they're not all trained on the same level. And then only like the special ones kind of get brought up into like being a general and things like that. 
the Jedi withhold power from people. They say, you're not ready to experience that. You're not ready to be in this position. You're not ready to do this. They close everything off. Where the Sith, they're like, take it. Just go as far as you can go and take it. Uh, I, I immediately thought of, uh, I think it's the, I think it's the third movie. Um, where, what is it? They like, grant, they like grant him, he's like on the council, but I don't think he's like a master or some, one of those two. Like they don't, the, basically what you said, they withhold some power from him. And then he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm not like, this is ridiculous. How could like, I be on the council, but not a master. And then he gets upset about all of that. But I just, I think I like, I prefer the story arcs that come out of the Sith because you have to assume then that the current Sith in the universe is the most powerful because of the way that their ascension line has kind of gone. And there's only two of them at any point, which also makes me think about uh, since Kylo Ren is the only one left at that point, what's going to happen with that sort of like storyline where they kept playing that out? Because I don't think he took any sort of apprentice because he still was one himself. He wants Rey. Well, did he did he want Ray in that way, like to be apprentice, or did he want to? Because he no, he I can teach you. Well, like, that's like a whole like that's like a whole thing. But like, he says I could, I could be your teacher, like you know. But what he mean? says he we can rule the thing. galaxy together. Yeah, but he has he to teach her first. Like that's the thing. Like he wants her to come underneath. But I don't think he wants her to kill him. I mean, that's why they're gonna rule the galaxy together. I also don't like the relationship force between... love story. I'm hoping it doesn't become that because gonna that's going to be. be some like shitty ass writing. Like that is some poor ass yeah. writing if they decide to make fucking Kylo Ren and Ray lovers. Because my fucking goal is that a uh, fucking Poe, a uh, fucking Finn and Ray become just a polytriad. <laughs> that <laughs> They're they all dating. Look, or that fucking Poe and Finn just become a fucking thing because right. bruh, bruh, bruh. Like that. That is. There's so many scenes where they're like <laughs> hugging each other, and it's just like, yeah, this will work out. Like I'm like, just let, just let us have that. Like I, I hundred percent. That's my goal is poof and puffin. Also, so shout out to Andy Circus for always giving such a good performance. Anytime they do motion capture with his face, like fucking playing Gollum, and then doing like all of the other types of characters. Have you seen his performance as Snoke without like all the CGI mm-hmm. on him? They they like they had to change the shape of Snoke's face because of how deep his voice was. So they changed the way like his neck and his jawline looked to match the deepness of his voice. Damn. And then they they had to like change certain features on his face because when they animated the CGI on top of his face, they're like that's not menacing enough for the voice that he's giving. And so they had to redo it and make him look even more terrifying because he had given such a good performance for that that like they're like we could just put him in like a regular ass costume and he'd be good like that. But they they put the CGI over his face. Damn. It's so cool to watch. I put a video of, of it up like not too long ago. Worth worth to watch because he's like sort of been the pioneer for that motion capture, uh, especially for all of like the facial features. So he's really good at face acting where he gets to bring out all of the emotions through his face. So worth going to watch it but i'm also disappointed that he got cut in half which is really weird like how did he get killed so easily like that that was one of the only times that i was legitimately surprised i was like what he just that's it like did he transfer did he like was it a joke was it yeah. like a ploy yeah it was kind of a uh, i guess you could say at the end of it was sort of an anticlimactic death for such a very really talked about individual and yeah really like high up individual well i thought he was gonna kill kylo ren like, I really thought, well, so like that, well, because he had the final test for him, right? You're like Fuck. scoffing at Bit, me. Like, you really think they're going to kill off one of their fucking breadwinners of the series? No. Like, well, according to uh, you. Like, fucking, 
you know how like fucking just merchandise wise yeah, like no, I get no. You. like they were not gonna of like the fucking only person that i like like of the main people that i would think that they would kill off is fucking finn which would suck but like i feel like that's like he one of the almost only did people. and then yeah. rose fucked it up no, 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 no. You remember that, right? No, I know. That's why I was like, that's why that was such a That terrible. was such a glorious like, setup for such a good martyr scene. And like, where, she just like, pow. Yeah, he's fucking. ready. He's ready to like <laughs> die by going into the middle of his gun that's about to blast down the door for like the last remaining members of the rebellion and is like about to destroy it. And then here comes fucking Rose out of nowhere, runs straight into his ship. And he's like, why did you do that? And she's like, because I love you. And I was yeah, like, I was what the fuck, say, dude? The fucking <laughs> stupid ass like love quote thing that they, I was like, this is, this is not the place for it like it like, was almost as upsetting to me as the intro where they like have gravity all of a sudden and have to be above the ship to drop whatever bombs they have from those weird bombers i was like what do, do we have a fucking like atmosphere above <laughs> the fucking uh ship that they have there they have to be right above it to drop it they can't send out missiles it was the dumbest intro i think i'd seen in a while so i was like this is dumb and then her sister dies unnecessarily but like that was another thing too i was like you could have just let finn die and people would have been cool with it like I love him, even though he's a great character, like on his own. John Boyega does really good mm-hmm. as Finn. Like that is, he's also just a really good actor. Yeah, holy shit! So. I'm really upset that uh, his acting in the second Pacific Rim movie was not worth it. Was it not? Well, he was good. It. He was really good, but the rest of the people in that film, I heard sucked. that movie was bad. So it's, it was so terrible. <laughs> the well, I'll tell you the fucking so the the dude the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Charlie uh, Day. Yeah, Charlie Day becomes the bad guy. In that film, for no reason, for no fucking reason, he like gets brainwashed by one of the brains that he's still like trying to connect with, and then like that's what happens. He like takes over like the robot building program and then tries to fight them. I love Charlie Day. It's the dumbest. I didn't like it at all. It was such a terrible movie. Damn. But yeah, so that's what I was. So I was thinking of when I, uh, I thought about Snoke because well actually, I really liked the lines slightly before that. So when he's telling him that. He told them, like, I'm the one who bridged your mind. So, like, first of all, you guys aren't that powerful, so relax. And he's like, I'm the one who did that. And then he goes into this whole bit about where he's like, where I saw, like, weakness in you, now I see, like, resolve. And he's like, you're the heir apparent to, like, Darth Vader. He, like, hypes him up, basically. And then just gets cut in half after that. And I was like, what the hell? Have you seen the new Fantastic Beasts? Yeah. So that whole like you're the heir to this that kind of relates to the fucking uh, the ending scene spoilers of Fantastic Beasts where they tell Credence that he's a Dumbledore. Yes, yeah, that's completely new too. <laughs> like, yeah, like I was just like, the fuck are they doing with this? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, also like McGonagall was in that film, even though she would have been like three uh, during that time. Well, she would have been super. I think young. what they're assuming is that she is very very old. Yeah, but no, like canon time-wise like when minerva mcgonagall was born she would have been like three to eight years old like this is something like oh i see so yeah, the like, timeline got a little fucked yeah they, they put a that. character in there that should not have been that old she shouldn't have been a teacher at that time she wouldn't have been the same oh age. yeah 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 she does show up yeah very... she's a she fucking in the scene where yeah, she's like with leading lita. no with lita and fucking when alita fucking does the magic to that girl's mouth yeah, and then like Lita like starts running off and everything. That's McGonagall, that that professor. The oh, teacher. I thought you were talking about when they go to visit Dumbledore for the first time, and he's in like his little office. They... She's the one who walks them in. Is it? Yeah, is that fucking she's McGonagall all, too? Yeah, she's also what in that scene fuck? as well. Like, 
yeah she's very young in that but like i get what you mean where she probably would have been too young to be a teacher but yeah but like this it's just the same thing like these weird like oh like credence is a fucking dumbledore and i made you this well they like making the roundabout connections to main characters in movies uh or in storylines really like in narratives they're like doing that i mean like like lord of the rings does it too with like you know Percy, you gotta watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I like, know. I know you gotta watch it. It's so good. Like, it's such yeah, a good series of movies. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. Like, they are actually good fantasy movies that were during a time when there was no good fantasy movies. Oh, when we go, that's we, true. Huh? We we got Dungeons and Dragons. That yeah. was fucking terrible. Oh yeah, it absolutely was. awful. Just nope, I, no. I like. Wait, I repressed that. The film? Yeah. You didn't like the film? That no. Was- Oh I did not God. like Dungeons and Dragons at all. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm thinking of the Warcraft film. Never mind. Sorry. I no, was like, I love Warcraft. Warcraft film, Warcraft film was, was dope as fuck. I loved Warcraft. <laughs> Warcraft was so good. Sorry, I. I love my the mind, unanimous like, excitement for Warcraft that all of us. That was a yeah, really oh fucking God. good movie. Like, I, so, so that's what I thought you were talking about first. Nah. I was like, how did no, you not no, like no. that film? I was like, that was a Dude, good ass film. Dude, the critics ripped apart Warcraft. Mm. They hated that film. I don't. Mm. Well, it's because they wanted things spoon fed to them. Whereas Warcraft was like, now you're a fan, you know what we're talking about, and then just went straight into it. Yeah, you didn't even. The thing is, though, you don't, you don't. It's not it, that much. Everything, everything is explained. There is a good amount. It's yeah. an, it's explained enough where if you just didn't pay attention, right? You know what I mean? Did you not notice the big gnarly sorcerer ripping souls out of people to power a portal? Does exactly. that not? They did it right in front of you. I don't understand it's how true. you don't figure that out. Like, are you just these people just don't know what fantasy is? I don't know. You know, they just don't know what it is. I think that's a fair assessment. People don't exactly understand some certain. Yeah, they like, don't. They don't. They don't, they don't try to. Uh, they don't try to suspend their disbelief. No, not at all. And that's and that's like one of the issues. I um. Oh my gosh! If we want to talk about about men being like emotional in movies and like showing genuine emotion for people, Lord of the Rings. Yep, that's what Fucking, I've heard. Uh, the that's Hobbits, what I've heard. like 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 yeah. Sam, Sam and Sam and um and Frodo, super. I mean, as much as it got made fun of, dude, it's such a touching like connection. I don't care. It's a touching ass connection. Between no, no, two. no. I'm not rolling my eyes about what you're saying. Oh, you're talking about about the people complaining about yeah, it. Yeah, people, exactly. No, well, people complained that it was uh they were getting too emotional with each other but it's such a good like uh what else are they gonna do it's like a good masculine representation of like them caring for each other legitimately as friends and Mm -hmm. how much like they go through together and then for sam to be like his best friend to like literally be like one of the most important people in the films Mm -hmm. because he's the only one who can help him bear like the weight of the ring without wanting to take it himself yep which is like the makes him like the purest person at least like for their like storyline yeah it makes sense it's so like sam's sam's entire like entire ordeal he becomes like one of the most important characters in the whole in the whole thing and I love how he starts off as a gardener. Right. I love. Um, oh, there's so many good. There's so many good scenes, like going through the mines of Moria and all the good writing they did for all of that. And like, I even like that they. I even like that they didn't. They didn't do it a lot of movies these days, which would be like, I want to skip the boring part. Right. Like they would have. Like I think that if Lord of the Rings were made now by a different by a different director, he would have skipped the the like the meeting at like the meeting at like Rivendell and stuff like that. Yes. Or like wouldn't even have done that council or would have like or would have like like butchered it they would have skipped like the whole first movie yeah probably yeah, yeah they you know, or they wouldn't have yeah. done i mean i've only ever since the theatrical ones i've only ever watched the extended editions of those same, movies same because they're the best ones yeah they they're include so a lot good. of extras so much good stuff and explains because like the theatrical releases take a lot of stuff out of it too mm-hmm. like there's a lot of things like it, man i don't want to spoil everything there's so much good stuff in those movies i've just i rewatched um the fellowship of the ring and the two towers recently with people right. who have not seen the movies 
A lot of people like Two Towers a lot better than the first one. Uh, yeah. Fucking Two Towers. Well, it's only because the first one was like prep. It was like yeah. it was like preparing you for what the next two movies are going to be about yep. for like the epic battle and how they bring everything together. Mm-hmm. The the third movie still maintains for me one of those scenes that I will cry every single time I go and watch it, and it's because of the the death of one of the characters. So it's just like it'll happen. Like yeah, that. I won't explain it to you, but it's like <laughs> it's uh it's. It's still one of those scenes where I'll watch it and I'm like, this is like easily one of the saddest things I'll see. But also really inspiring at the end of it when like everyone kind of rallies together. You know how they always do in fantasy films. They gather up an army and then everyone comes together. So it's like, yeah, yeah. They, they, they definitely played it out like how it was supposed to. And then you get all inspired watching it. Yeah. But dang it, Percy, watch yeah, the damn yeah, movies. Yeah. If not for, if not for anything, for anything, it's gotta be Gimli and Legolas's banter in between, in like big battles. I've always really wanted to watch it. I've just never yeah. had the chance to sit and watch it. It's like the only so movie I like Orlando Bloom in. I'm gonna have to, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take all the files I have of these and I'm gonna compress them into little zip folders and I'll send them to you. Thank you. For I'll this. do that for the, uh, for the guinea pig movies also. For the guinea pig, the guinea, the guinea pig movies. Those are the Japanese horror films that we talking about. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. Because I'm, I'm, I'm think, I think next week if I'm, if I'm picking movies next week. I'm so. Is that like the mermaid and the mermaid in the manhole yeah, and and uh, and flowers of flesh and blood? <laughs> oh Jesus. Mermaid in the manhole is great. Um, better than the other one, but I want to see like flowers and flesh and blood is like. It, it, it was it was it was another one of those movies where the guy was called into court because he's like, did you actually kill a woman on on like in? I'm fucking right. It's about this guy that like captures girls and turns them into bouquets of flesh. Uh, it's like it's I'm it's ready. it's fucking. We're made of the nar, nar. pretty good. So. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. So, I think we're gonna have to rename this episode <laughs> to just straight like criticism of whatever movies we wanted to talk yeah. about at the time I, I i honestly think that we should end with saying that we were not as excited about these cannibal movies as, as we, we thought, thought yeah. we were going to be as we thought i i, I mean i do want to say that cannibal holocaust was was is a great shock horror movie mm-hmm. uh but green inferno is kind of eh. it's got like the satire bit to it but it's just kind of an homage of it and it just kind of does sort of the same thing and it's not as interesting as i would have liked it to be Speaking of trilogies, we should talk about the one trilogy we were talking about. Holy Apocalypse Now. Ooh, yeah, the, wait, Apocalypse Now has a whole trilogy. No, no. no. So the uh, In the Mouth yeah, or, the thing In the Mouth of Madness and Prince of Darkness, if I'm right, is called the Apocalypse Now trilogy. And they're spiritual successors. They're all in the same universe, if I'm right. It's not like they're not actually related. But John Carpenter did all of them. And it's, it's a whole. Well, yeah. he explained it himself. Yeah. In the Mouth of Madness is like like one of my top five favorite horror films. Like it's like never really right. talked about, but it's so good. Like yeah. I enjoy that film. That is, that is a damn good movie. And the guy from fucking Jurassic Park is in it. Which dude? From the first one. The main dude from the fucking first Jurassic Park film. The white that, dude? Yeah. That scares the dude with the raptor claw and the, the kid in the beginning. That's such a good scene. Yeah. But okay. Fuck. What is his name? So so this is Sam this is uh, so wait this this is called the uh, the Apocalypse Now trilogy. I, no no, it's like Apocalypse something. Give me a second. I think it's I just remember. the Apocalypse trilogy. 
Um, it might be. Apocalypse Trilogy Theorem Series is the thing, Prince of Darkness, and then the Mouth of Madness. Is it called the Apocalypse Trilogy? Yeah. It's, I it's, think, it's what yeah. it's. Yeah, I, I just looked it up. It's what it, That's what I got anyway. Um, but. He didn't introduce the idea until after he had completed all the films. There's like a there's like a convention that you can go and watch where he introduces the idea, and it's because he had so many stories that he wanted to kind of put together in like the same universe, and so he explains the whole thing. It's worth to watch the video instead of just having one of us explain it because it's so he he made it really detailed, but it is a trilogy in some sense or another. So interesting to talk about we may consider talking about it in the future i've never seen um at the uh, in the mouth of madness or um what's the other the other prince of darkness prince of Dar- i've never seen prince oh. of darkness either you gotta watch i both. love oh, the thing God. though the thing is so awesome so in the mouth of madness is a film about a writer who everything that he writes comes to life and oh, then so cool. it's an insurance dude if i'm right that's looking into everything it's yeah so good and prince of darkness is about a group of filmmakers if i'm right that go to a church in la and all the homeless people around them end up being all weird and stuff and they found out that something is being resurrected in this church yep it they're such good like i think they're like much like it's lesser literally no- the prince of darkness yeah like getting they're resurrected. like such like <laughs> lesser known like john carpenter films but they're so good like oh my in the mouth of madness is amazing they're like, really good because of uh how good John Carpenter was during that time period as far as like screenwriting and bringing together these like uh, kind of obscure narratives that most people weren't really paying attention to, which is why he brought attention to it afterwards and was like, you should go check out my movies because these are really important to me. And then he started making other films and then got uh, associated with Halloween and things like that. The only other movie of his I saw was They Live. Uh, which is also a good one. Yeah, also also super that's fun. That's a wacky yeah. movie. That's a that's so much fun. I love I love yeah, that movie. Whoa. I, I, lo- seen that I love forever. all the allusions to LSD being like the way that you open because man, these glasses get you high. <laughs> it's right. Like, and so he's getting all high and seeing the truth. And so it's... <laughs> this is this is the one where he wears the glasses and he can see people. Sees the truth. Yeah, he sees like the truth around yeah. him essentially. That's such a cool concept. Yeah, it was, being able to like I I love a lot of the things they did with it where they changed like all of the uh, the images on magazines to like you know breed and make money right and like they when he hands him money and he looks at through the glasses it says this is your god now this is your god that's such a good one yeah damn yeah, yeah. another good movie shit all right well so this is the uh recommendations for comics anime movie trilogies yeah. uh and a lot of analysis of black panther and star wars uh-huh. yeah believe it or not yeah it looks like we kind of like left the horror that's all right Oh, well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I figured at one point we're going to have to do an episode that is uh, everything besides horror, and it's going to be similar to this, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, yeah, I want to talk about this movie. You know, there are honestly a lot of movies that are not horror that I'd love to talk about and analyze. So maybe maybe under Grindhouse we'll have, like, non-horror movies, and we'll just have oh, yeah. good movies we think are awesome and want to watch them. I watched a really silly one not too long ago. What? Fucking with a with a with a friend of mine who I'd never seen it before. It was Love Potion Number Nine. That sounds really familiar. It, it was actually I found it really funny. It was really silly. It's like uh, this lady. It's like the monog- It's like the. It's uh, Rick and Morty did a did a spoof on it with the uh, with the where he mixes the potions that makes everyone attracted to Morty. Yeah. Um, but she, they go to like this this I, I can't remember. It's this guy that wants to be that wants this girl to fall in love with him and he takes the, the wrong one and it makes everyone around him attracted to him and they all just start running and then oh it's God. like and it's like but it, they, they play with it really well in the movie though in a really silly way but it's also kind of like a I feel it was kind of like a romantic comedy sort of deal 
sort of thing. But it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too sappy. Was my was my was why I kind of liked it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yay! <laughs> that was a really long podcast, but I think we did some really good talking points in this one. Thank you guys for coming and talking about all of the random stuff that we decided on this time, which I appreciate because we were, we were able to get, I think we started off a bit slow and then we, like, we got really into it and we got into the analysis of, of other things that we were wanting to talk about. So thanks for coming to talk more about films and things like that. I always appreciate it. And uh, I hope everyone has a good night. Good night. Good night.